Welcome to the Sneaky Dragon Listening Party with my dad and my sister Mary. Hello, partygoers, and welcome to another episode of Sneaky Dragon Listening Party. My name is David Dedrick. And my name is Mary Dedrick. And Mare? Yes. Countdown to Christmas. Yep. We are we are but four months away. I know people quite right understand there, right? that we do we do record these shows quite a quite a bit oh, in advance. Right, yes. And so it's actually when I said four months away, I meant four months away till Christmas of two thousand nineteen. Yep. And then we will be uh, recording. You'd think if we recorded these episodes that far in advance, yeah. we could actually make our Halloween episodes happen in October. <laughs> well, well, this this year's Christmas episode is ha- happening in January, so it's not happening it's in really January. Just, uh, it's really just coming out on New Year's Eve. Coming out on New Year's Eve, yeah. So we won't. We'll just be a little bit past Christmas. We'll be able to celebrate with you after Christmas. It'll be. We'll celebrate the post-Christmas letdown. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's the problem with doing a show every two weeks, right? Mm-hmm. What you've won your argument, Mary. Finally, we'll do it every week. That's not well. It's not at all what I'm saying. Yeah, I think that's right. Finally, Mary has won her, the debate it's we've been having for at all ever. since we started recording the show in 2016. And I mean, either. pre-recording the show in 2016, right. because of course we and we stopped. We have we been recording. Put it out for well in advance. Yeah, I just put it in three the three years or whatever. You know what, Mary? Sometimes I just don't have time. Doesn't have time. You have time to re- you have time to record these yeah. eight hour long epics, <laughs> exactly but not right. to post them. Exactly. That makes sense. Well, that's because they're so long. I just don't have time to do anything with them afterward. Have you right. tried editing these things? No, I haven't. Because editing is twice as long as as recording. Is it really? Mm-hmm. Why? Because I have to stop and take out things. You know. Like what? Well, like all the things I say. Yeah, pretty much. That makes sense. I just Correct. want to make the show more interesting. Right. Oh. Oh. Wow. That's that's great. Anyway, well, Dad, have fun recording this episode by yourself. <laughs> I'm kidding. I mostly take out things that we that we do like go. Uh. Um. I don't think we do that. I don't think we uh do that. Um. Hmm. <laughs> oh, we do. And so I do take out quite a few of those. And I also listen to the show and I have to cut the songs into it and all right, that stuff. Right, so, right. you know, and I, I do sometimes uh, take out little bits of uh, dialogue that I think are boring. Hmm. And not just you or me. Just you most, and me. <laughs> imagine they're mostly you. It could be me going into a long, <laughs> yeah. a long involved explanation of something and then <laughs> listening back to it and saying, oh, this is so boring. And you could just like see, Excise. you could like hear my interest fading. <laughs> <laughs> well, that doesn't that doesn't really bother me at all. It's more my interest. Oh, I know. If you notice that, you would notice it while I'm sitting here. My eyes are glazing over. <laughs> Sorry, can't pick that up. <laughs> That's too subtle. Too subtle for me. I feel like a um like a morning radio host because mm-hmm. I'm drinking out of a really lar- a really oversized mug. Okay. But I'm drinking something iced. Oh yeah. You hear that? Some fully sure. work there. <laughs> Well, when you're actually doing it in real life, it's not really fully work, but okay. Yep. Sure is convincing, that sound of ice <laughs> that you're making with a brick yep. and two pieces of tinfoil. Yeah, I know, right? It's so amazing. It's like when I answers? make the fire sound with some with some plastic, mm-hmm. with some uh, shrink wrap or something. Yeah. Like... Yeah. It's amazing. What a, what a foot fully work. Right. I know. I'm like an expert. <laughs> <laughs> One more time, Mary. Just take another sip. There we go. I can't, can't believe what you can do with that brick and two know, pieces right? of tinfoil. It's amazing. It's an iced chai latte, so I need to <laughs> stir it a fair amount to keep the chai mixture from going to the bottom. Ah, okay. Because then at the top, you just have icy milk. 
Okay. At the bottom, you have very, very, very strong chai concentrate. <laughs> okay. And it's not as pleasant as consistently throughout yeah. having a chai latte, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. I understand. I also poured it for myself and then ran around the house doing a bunch of things. I went up to my car to get my notebook and stuff. Mm. So mm. when I came back, it had kind of all settled at the bottom. <laughs> Again. Again, yeah. I hear you. As a, as a longtime drinker of iced tea, I understand. Oh, yeah. This is an iced tea. Is it? Well, chai tea. Mm. It's a chai tea concentrate. Yeah. And then you put milk in it and ice. It's not quite the uncarbonated pop that is iced tea as we know it here in Canada. No, it's definitely not. It's different. It's a different uh, thing. Yeah, when you go here, living in Canada, we drink what Americans would call sweet tea, which is sweet and iced tea. It's but not, it's not even that. It's not sweet tea. No, sweet it's not even that. Sweet tea is very different. Sweet tea is awful, <laughs> in my opinion. But but in the states, they have, usually if you order iced tea, you get just actual tea that's been been left to chill. Hmm. And then you are disappointed yeah. if you're Canadian because you're used to the kind we get, which has nothing to do with ice or tea. It's just like a flavored drink that yeah. has a slight hint of lemon and ice. Yeah. I mean, lemon, lemon and some, something that's like tea. I yeah. don't really know. I don't like tea that it's much. It's more so. like an Arnold Palmer. I guess. But more on probably more like a 60-40 lemonade to tea. I would say even less than that because there's really, I don't think, I think it misses the tannic part of it. Mm. Like the tan- tannic acid in tea, yeah. so you don't get that. So then you're miss. You're, I think it depends. You're not getting that sour flavor. I think it depends it. on where you're getting it from. I think if you're getting like brisk, yeah, um, like in a restaurant or whatever, then you don't get that. But mm-hmm. I think if you get some, there's like some like bottled or canned ones you can get that have okay. more of that. Okay. Yeah. For an example, yeah. I had a good drink, mm-hmm. iced tea mm-hmm. today with yep. my lunch, and that was good. Good, it's good. like a bit different. It's it was a white tea with peach. Nice. It was it was tasty. Mayor, mm-hmm? this is a good example of the sort of thing I cut out of the show, actually. Oh. So. Okay. <laughs> well. Us discussing iced tea. <laughs> what? Because this show, Mary, is a music show. Is it? And we're supposed to. Be I thought talking this was an iced tea show. It's not an iced tea show. Are you sure? I am absolutely. I think I positive. might be. That's the wrong thing. I am more than. I was definitely positive. looking for the iced tea. Um, iced tea show yeah. booth where they record the iced tea show. Iced tea booth. Yeah. Well, you know, like here, here you at the know extensive, how... extensive no, no, recording no, facilities. Yes, at the extensive recording facilities. Exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. What I, exactly what I meant. Yeah. yeah. You just got lost and came into this room. Yeah. Okay. And You've I been doing I'm... that a lot. Yeah, I have been for like, <laughs> all, like over a year now. Over four years since 2016. Right. So we already established we've been recording the show. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. That long. Yeah. All right. But anyway, Christmas is coming up, what you were saying at the beginning of the I list. was hinting at Christmas. Yeah. Because I was going to ask you if uh, you're all ready for Christmas. I have all my presents purchased and wrapped. Wow. I have all efficient. of them purchased and wrapped for a week. It seems to me you're missing out one one important component of Christmas. The panic? Yes, absolute panic that oh, I, I like to go through early. in the last week. Okay. I did early this, this year. <laughs> you did early panic? Yeah, I guess. I don't know. How can you have early, early panic, though? Kind of I'm, pre-panic. I'm pretty, I'm pretty skilled at panicking. Okay. I've... <laughs> I have my anxiety, like, I'm an expert at it. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you were, like, seriously worried that you wouldn't get your Christmas shopping done before Christmas when you started in November. Yes. Hmm. Okay. I mean, I was worried, and it was two weeks before Christmas, and I started to worry, because normally I do my Christmas shopping two weeks before Christmas. Yes. I'll kind of settle down. I'll be like, okay, I better I better do some Christmas shopping. Mm-hmm. Last year was a particular mess. Well, but that's every not year. a mess. Every year. It was, you were just particularly busy last year. That's true. And this and this year is, uh, I have and no you, excuse. You had a lot of things you'd ordered on the internet. Yeah. Um, but then because everyone else was also doing that, they took a while to get here. 
But I think most of the stuff got here before Christmas. Pretty pretty much everything. Pretty much everything. I don't think here. did any of this thing get left behind. Well, you were worried that I wasn't actually going to have any presents last year because all of them were being ordered from Amazon. Oh yeah. Huh. But then they all got here in time. Oh, that's good. So. All the, all the ones I ordered four days before Christmas. <laughs> Where are they? <laughs> You're like, Prime, it's sad. <laughs> Come on. We have a facility in Delta. It's only... I can drive there faster than you're delivering it. Yeah. Now if you're knocking the door, give me my Christmas presents. <laughs> I think I was exaggerating just for, for fun, though. I don't think so. Okay. You were, like, genuinely panicked. <laughs> all right. I don't remember now. But you know what I like to do? I like to erase all negative things from my life. That's good. It's a good way to do it. Yeah. Although, it makes it hard to learn. You know what? It's hard for me to learn anyway. So I might as well just get rid of all the negative learning and just go with positive. Okay. I just want positive reinforcement. Right. Dave? All that you can think of is, well, it worked out last year. Exactly. You're absolutely right to do all your ordering four (laughs) days before Christmas. What went wrong? Nothing. That was me in university. The fact that you're kicking boxes around the house for three days before they arri- the, the actual presents arrived is totally unrelated <laughs> to any kind of problem with it. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, yeah. No. I'm a. I'm a good like filter of of negativity for my life. Hmm. Well, that's handy. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. So you're you're feeling pretty good about Christmas now? No. This year? No, not at all. Not, well, you've gone Christmas shopping twice now. Well, I went. Yeah, kinda. I mean, kind of. You went today. Today was sort of a continuation of yesterday. Just because when I went to the store that I was going to yesterday, it was I thought there was too many people out front. Oh, okay. And I left. Right. So, because what I need to do when I'm Christmas shopping is I need to buy presents for everyone. Uh-huh. Then I go through the gifts and then I organize them so that they into how evenly everyone's getting gifts. Right. Because I don't want to like overbuy for one person. Right. Because some, some people are easy to buy for and other people are harder to buy for. Yeah, that's fair. And so I don't want to like you know, have Christmas Day come and Eve has like seven gifts and you mm. have two, mm. you know? Yeah. And then That's fair. I also would not like that. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and also you wouldn't like it. And even if like, you know, cause you're a sucker. Mm. Yeah. You know, you'd be fine. Like if I just bought like five books and separately wrapped them. Yes. And then you, and you both had the same, but so that's what I'm looking at. Right? I'm like, how many gifts can I make out of what I have for everyone? Right. But I also do want them to be like evenly matched and in, in, in value. Right. That's, you know? Yeah. So like last year when you got that full length mink coat, uh huh. I also bought you like a bunch of bo- little books. Right. And then it made it seem like you had more than you're yeah. just getting the one gift. Right. Absolutely. The floor length mink coat. Yes, and then also all the books. And also yeah, all the little books. Yeah. More they're more like pamphlets that I found. On, uh, actually, they're right. they're maps that I got off the ferry. Right. And I wrapped them as gifts. Yeah. For you. So and they were like you're, they were like here here are some cool tourist options. That's right. That's what I was like. Mary, have you ever wanted to know how to get to Butchart Gardens in Victoria, BC? Here you go. Here's a map there with... I'm like, oh, I do like butcher gardens. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> I know you're you're. I can wear my mink coat there. <laughs> In the summertime. Don't forget, it's a floor-length mink coat. Yes. No, of course. You know what? I was yep. reading an interesting article yesterday because, you know what, with, with my, um, with my, when I'm on my, on my internet browser, mm-hmm. if I click on home to go to, to Google or whatever. To Bing. To Bing, to to <laughs> Duck Duck Goose, <laughs> because you're a big conspiracy theory nut. <laughs> yeah, and I you am. find that if you use Duck Duck Go, then it will show you all the child porn sites that Google won't show you. That's right. Which is why people uh, who are conspiracy theorists say, "Look this up on Duck Duck Go," because yeah. it will show 8chan, which Google won't show you because of all the child pornography. Oh, it's interesting because I find. Um... DuckDuckGo is way more uh, stringent in, in images that it shows you. Is it? Yeah. But it, it will show you any website. 
Hmm, that's good. Including 8chan. Whatever. I'm not looking for it, so it's fine. Yeah. I just don't like being tracked. Hmm. So then... Um, that's, I guess, another reason why conspiracy theorists like it. <laughs> yeah, because it won't uh, follow your, 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 what your... Oh, it doesn't cooperate with Facebook? Yeah. Or or trend, like, or with advertisers and stuff yeah. like that. Because Google is not just is collecting information and selling it to advertisers, right? Mm-hmm. So. Well, yeah, Facebook does that, too. Sure. So I was looking, I was looking, so when I click on the, uh, when I click to, to check out, like, to search on Google, let's say, it will, like, give me, like, a selection of six articles that are, um, that might be of interest to me, and, like, maybe, maybe it kind of tracks what I click on, and it kind, right. of, it kind of populates it with that. Well, I think it shows you most popular things, too. Yeah. Yeah. It had one article on there that was really interesting yesterday, because it was talking about how it's an unwritten rule, but we have a specific order of adjectives that we use, and it starts with, like, um... Like it starts with like a value, like value judgment, or whatever, and then goes on from there. So you know, we we always start like if we're gonna say like a a knife that is silver and French and small and also lovely, we would say it's a lovely small French silver knife. And if you said it another way, it would be weird. So if you said it's a small French lovely silver knife, people would be like, oh, that's kind of a weird way to say that uh, I don't expression. Think that's weird at all, but okay. Yeah, yeah, that was very interesting. So there's hmm. like a specific order of of, of adjectives, right? That that are that are you you have in good in well you know when you're speaking well or when you're writing well, yeah, that you have to follow. But we do it; it tend to do it, it, uh, it unintentionally anyway because we we do it just naturally. Well, yeah, just like taught. how we always talk language, right? Yeah, yeah. Like you don't if you're a native if you're a native language speaker, you don't learn that from a book. You just learn it based on how other people around you yeah, talk. Yeah, exactly. So I thought that was sort of interesting because that's not something you don't really think about how we how we use adjectives. And of course, it's really disturbing to us when we start learning French and we have to put the adjectives after the noun, and that people often find that a, like a huge stumbling block to wanting to to understand French. And uh, rather than just accept it and move on, they just get stuck there, and they're all angry about it. Right. Like, stupid language. All right. Anyway, Mayor. Yes. Enough about Christmas, and enough about whatever else we're talking about. Let's get on with music, because we have music to listen to. So uh, this episode is the second part of our Nathan Evans fan mix. Cool. And you weren't super impressed with the la- first side. You had quite a quite a bit of issues with a lot of the songs there. What? No, I just thought the songs were fine. <laughs> I didn't uh, hate them. I just didn't love them. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I consider that kind of an issue if you just think it's sort of blah. blah. I wouldn't say blah. I would say fine. They were fine. I didn't dislike them okay i just thought they were like okay hmm. they're fine <laughs> nothing to go home about <laughs> nothing right, my, right home about as my brother-in-law would say what did he say go home about yeah he's bad with expressions oh okay <laughs> he also thinks it's um oh what was it what's what's that expression that's like some something about a, a dozen cheaper by the dozen uh are you, oh, are you talking about um it's uh six of whatever and that one? Oh yeah yeah so the other one, the other one that he thinks is, um, thought it was six of one and Bob's your uncle. <laughs> we like to make fun of him like, oh yeah, you know, expressions, they just don't mean anything. <laughs> You're like, you know, expressions, they just have no, no logic to them and they yeah. don't mean anything at all. And you can just say whatever you want in any order. And that's an expression, you know, expressions. Yeah. Well, I, I know them. Yeah. I don't, I don't know them at all. I'll be honest. But I really like nothing to go home about. Nothing to go home about. I guess that makes sense. Like, well, seen everything I have to see. Yeah. There's nothing to go home about. Well, it means nothing to go home about and tell anyone about it. Like, you know, the idea yeah. that you're going to go home and say, look, what. guess what I saw today. Yeah. Who writes nowadays? 
I guess it should everyone. not be nothing to text home about. Yeah, well, that's still writing. Yeah, but you know what I mean. Hmm. Nothing to phone home about. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that it is not common to say phone as a verb in other places? Like you mean in other places outside of British Columbia? Yeah. Or our corner of, of the world? Yeah. So if we were in Seattle, they wouldn't say... No, they say that because E.T. phone home. Yeah, but that's wrong. It's incorrect. E.T. telephone home? Well, yeah, he's not using it as a... Whoop, ah, fuck. Sorry. He's not using it as a, as a verb. He's using it as a noun. Right? He's just putting three nouns in order. E.T. phone home. Yeah. But to phone is a... Is a to telephone, that is a, that is a verb. In French, but not in English. People call home. They don't phone home. We phone home. I know we do. That's what I'm saying. We, this area, yeah. says that and other places don't. Oh, interesting. Huh. Yeah. So here in BC, we're just like, oh, E.T. E wants to call home. And everyone else are like, ha ha, stupid alien doesn't know how to speak. Yes. Yeah, that's it. Huh. Wow. Imagine that. People think we're stupid aliens. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. <laughs> You're like, no, I think we're supposed to be like, oh, stupid, stupid alien. He couldn't conjugate the verb phone properly. <laughs> Should be E.T. phones home. <laughs> Dummy. <laughs> but E.T. is, in that case, is iPhone iPhone home, right? But I believe if you're ta if you're talking about yourself in the third person, then conjugation would follow that logic, right? I don't think so. Yes, because I think that when you're using your name as you're not using your name in the third person, though, you're using your name in the first person because you're replacing I with your name. You would not say David am going to the store. That's how exactly how I talk, Mary. You've nope. heard me say that many times. David, I'm going to store now. <laughs> I guess if you're a caveman, it exactly, works, but you're not. That's exactly what you're you're doing though when you talk with like put your the first. Yep. Nope. Hmm. Because it's not it's not the speaker who defines language; it's the subject, right? That defines the the verb conjugation. It's the subject of the sentence. No, it's the object. Nope. The subject defines the verb con uh, conjugation. I. I oh, am I going saying, yeah. to the store is the but, subject. The, the store subject, is sorry. the object. But yeah, but if you're using if you're using David, let's say, in mm -hmm. our example mm -hmm. of a caveman. Yeah. He is the subject. David is the subject. Yeah. He is speaking. Yes. So he, he so, is saying I. Yes. Well he is saying well if he's saying I, it would be a different conjugation than if he was saying David. But the David is a stand in for I in that in that sentence because he doesn't matter. He doesn't understand the idea of I. Okay, well, you could use we as a stand-in for I if you were a king. That doesn't mean you're going to say we is. You would say we are. Yeah. Right? But it, if you're using the royal we, then we gets conjugated as the second person plural. But it doesn't, the first it doesn't person seem plural. equally weird to you that it's David. If you're talking about yourself like, David... No, I guess you're right. David is feeling pretty proud of himself right now. Yeah, yeah I guess you're right. You're, David you're... should not be feeling pretty proud of himself right now because he's wrong. <laughs> but I do think in if, in caveman terms or ET terms, mm -hmm. then it's then it's correct because he is using himself as a subject. No, of a it is not correct. Yeah, and the he's... point of the point of caveman speak is that it's incorrect. Oh, well, I know, but that's the point of ET speak too. Is ET is that it's incorrect? Yeah, yeah. And so you're supposed to listen to it and think that sounds wrong because they don't know how to conjugate things properly. For some reason, they know the verb, but they can't <laughs> conjugate, which makes zero sense. But anyway, <laughs> but he doesn't know that he doesn't know the verb because he's not using it as a verb, as you said. Well, that's, well, yes. He's using... in, in that unless he's from unless he's actually not from. From space he's just from bc <laughs> <laughs> which if you listen to the rest of canada is thought of much like outer space yes also um some more evidence rides a bike very bc yeah 
That's true. And flies in in the sky. Yeah. Which is also very BC. Yes, true. Um, I don't remember much about the movie E.T. Does he like Skittles? I don't know. We have Skittles here. <laughs> I haven't seen E.T. in a really long time. Me neither. Probably since grade eight. What? You watched it. We used to rent it all the time. Grade 10. Grade 10. We I used to rent it all the time. We did? Yeah. I don't remember watching it. Hmm, maybe we watched it with mom. But we definitely used to rent it all the time hmm. from Blockbuster. I don't remember it. Okay. I mean, it's a fun movie from my recollection, okay. which was as a child. Yeah, I didn't like it. But I was in grade 10. Oh, you're too old. I was too cool for it. Yeah. I was like, this movie, if he was wearing a leather jacket and smoking a cigarette. Yeah. Then I would have been all over it. Right. If but John, if it was John Carpenter's E.T., he would have loved Carpenter's it. E.T. <laughs> <laughs> would have been, been a much goopier movie, I think. Yeah. Yeah. You're right, though. He is kind of disgusting. Yeah, he's gross looking. Like, his lower body is, is, hor- is just yeah, like a nightmare. The whole, the whole thing. His neck? Yeah. And they really went there, didn't they? I guess it's his eyes that really just sell it. Because hmm. it has so. big eyes. Yeah. That's what we as humans, like, find appealing. Right. And we, we, without no really realizing it, we just react, hmm. you know, in like a paternalistic or maternalistic mm-hmm. way to that. Yeah. We're like, oh. It's like a baby thing. Oh, that baby needs our help. Yeah. Whereas we don't feel that way about the thing, because it's like a disgusting, gloopy mess yeah. with tentacles flying over the place. Yeah. And, you know. It's coming out of a dog. Spoilers for the thing. Well, that's the beginning of the movie. Yeah. All right. Have we got to the mu- the music yet? Nope. What do, what do we think of that fifth song that we played, everyone? <laughs> All right. What's the first song for the second side, Dad? The f- Mare. What? Don't rush me. Okay. The first song for the second side is, as I reach behind me for my notes that I left laying there, this is um, The Ruby Suns. Mm-hmm. And the song is called Kenya, like the, like the African country, Kenya. Kenya Dig It from their album, their 2008 album, Sea Lion. So let's give it a listen, everybody. Here we go.
Uh, the Ruby Sons with a song called Can You Dig It? Can You Dig It? Mary? Yes? Did you dig it? Yeah. Oh, good. I liked it. Good. It was fun. So kind of a kind of a neo-psych song, kind of had hmm. a kind of a psychedelic element to it. Yeah. But it's new, it's, or newish, it was from, it's from 2008. Mm-hmm. So that makes it neo rather than whatever the opposite of neo is. Classical? Classical psych, psych rock, yeah. 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 I was hoping for one of the things, what do they call them, that go on the front of a of a, let, of a word? A pro something? Anyway. Prefix? Prefix, that's right. I was hoping for a prefix. Hmm. Not just a not just a descriptor. Oh, old. So we have neo. Old. What is what is neo? Old. But no, old isn't it. Oh. You can say something is old psychedelia. Hmm. Like neo-psychedelia and, mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, it doesn't need no one because it's the original. I guess that's right. It's a psychedelia. <laughs> Good point. Um, I really enjoy that song. I really love the uh i like psychedelic rock a lot and i like when bands are able to convincingly kind of recapture that spirit of psychedelia in a song and it doesn't feel old like in the instrumentation it feels like they're still they're using kind of new stuff there's obviously synths and things like that in the song but i like that it kind of captures that spirit of psych and then also i love the vocals in it i love the the kind of high the high pitched uh, mm-hmm. vocals doing that kind of trade-off uh you know with the melody and and uh yeah really good apparently i was gonna say why do i say apparently but they're from auckland new zealand but the lead singer songwriter kind of leader of the group uh this guy named ryan mcfun is ryan mcfun that's not his real name m-c-p-h-u-n m-c-p-h-u-n not a real name <laughs> it's real no i don't believe it <laughs> okay uh he was from california but he moved to auckland and then began playing in several bands there, and then formed the Ruby Sons, I guess, out of that experience. And then, just before recording this this album, the band went on this tour of the Western United States. And what's interesting to me about that tour is that they were in a town called Kennewick, Washington, okay. in Washington State. Yep. 
And they were in a, mo- a motorhome they'd bought for the tour, mm-hmm. and it burst into flames on the interstate. Oh. Just like without warning, it suddenly just burst into flames, and they barely got out of it before it was completely like Whoa. became this giant con- conflagration, and they lost all their belongings and all their musical instruments. Oh, no. Yeah. And of course, lost their vehicle as well. Yeah. And then. So did they buy it or were they renting it? They, were, they bought it. Hmm. It's kind of like, we'll buy this, and then we'll drive it around, and then we'll sell it at the end of the tour. And then it, they couldn't sell it at the end of the tour. It was just a charred husk on the side of Kennewick, Kennewick Washington uh, Interstate Freeway, and so then. Um, but there's a, a silver lining to the story, which is that they were taken in by the town. They were um, they were given like room at this church to live in it. Well, well, you know, well, they figured we, out. yeah, well, they figured out what was happening, and then the the uh, I guess the pastor of the church liked them so much he invited them to live in, in their house. So they lived in in this guy's house. I guess they passed the hat around the town. And raise money for the, for them. Oh, that's so nice. And so they were able to get musical instruments. Yeah. So they did a they did a concert for for the town. That's so nice. And then they drove on from there. Went back down to uh, San Francisco. I think was their next cool. stop. So yeah, kind of a crazy thing that happened. Yeah. And then I guess the band reached the end of its natural life. Mm-hmm. As, and, as happens. Yeah. Yeah. But they did put out a few albums. I only have this one, Sea Lion. Mm-hmm. There's one called The Ruby Suns. Oh, no, I have that one, too. I have two albums. I have their first album, which is The Ruby Suns, which is mostly Ryan McFun by himself. And then when he started performing it, he like brought together a band around him. And then that band pre- recorded Sea Lion. And then they did one more album. And then they said, then they then he, he, went, he moved to Oslo. And once one of your band members moves to Oslo and the rest of the band lives in New Zealand, it yeah, ain't, it ain't working not, anymore. Not ideal. It ain't working anymore. Okay. Have you said all you want to say about that song? This I have. Okay. So let's move on. Actually, to one, next... la- one th- last thing. Okay. I thought at parts of it, it kind of sounded like a Christmassy song. Yeah, I think you're right, because it has the chimes in it. It has the, yeah, it has yeah. the, the bells. Yeah, that's the bell sound. That's true. They should do it. They should have done a Christmas album. They should have. Okay, I'm going to give this I'm gonna give this song an A+, plus, according to Mary. Okay. A+. Plus. Seems inflated, but okay. Oh, really? Oh, you're less than an A+. Plus? I would say Smiley Face. Why don't you go back to that? Oh, Smiley Face. Doing the grades is hard. Okay, I'm gonna do a smiley face. My my smiley face is a smiley face that also that has an A plus in it. There we go. See, smiley face A plus. It's a weird looking smiley face. Also makes it look like an A minus. And you know what? The reason I'm so keen on giving this song an A plus is mm-hmm. that I know you're not gonna like the next song. Because oh. you know what, everyone? The next song is an Elvis Costello song, and that guarantees that no matter how great the song is, no matter how absolutely fantastic the song is, no matter how show-stoppingly wonderful the song is, I like the last is, Elvis Costello Mary song. will not like the song very I much. I liked the last Elvis Costello song. Okay, I'll Dad. give you that. I'll give you that one. I'm not like uh, completely biased against him. Okay, unlike me, like I'm much. completely biased for him. True, very true. So uh, this comes from my favorite Elvis Costello album, which is Trust, which, as I've explained in the past, is a Decadent choice, and I realize that, but I'm making it anyway. This is my favorite Elvis Costello album. I love it very. I love it a lot, and this is one of my favorite songs from it. This is "You'll Never Be a Man," which is something that people worried about in 1981, I guess. So let's give it a listen. This is Elvis Costello and the Attractions, everyone.
And I'm in the middle of making an A plus beside um, I'm it. not an Elvis Costello fan. Okay. You know this. All right. I don't like his singing. Okay. I don't like, I find it's too affected. All right. I'm not a fan. All right, I'm giving it an upside down A plus. Yeah, well. <laughs> I just think the song, I, well, like I said, this is my favorite, personal favorite yeah. album by Elvis Costello. I mean, Elvis I know Costello. you like Elvis Costello a lot. I just, I'm not a fan. And the reason I say it's a decadent choice is because, have I explained this before? My idea of what decadence is? Mm, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> Why would I listen to that? Um, True. My, my idea of what decadence is, is if, like, okay, so when you are so used to something that, like, whatever is normal about it, you can't thrill you anymore, so you have to, like, take the extreme of it in order to find it pleasurable. Mm. That's mm-hmm. decadence, right? Okay. So, like, the Roman, Romans, you know, they got to the point where it wasn't enough just to, like, be married and have, like, sex as a husband and wife. They had to, like, make a giant circus out of it. You know, right, like, sure. You know, it had to be orgies and it uh-huh. had to be this and that. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, you couldn't just have, like, go to the, the Circus Maximus and watch races. It had to have all this extra blood things shed. added onto bloodshed. Exactly, yeah. right. The and, most dangerous game. And that's what... Right? That's, right? Yeah, that's right. There you go. So that's decadence, right? So, so you know, like... If or you, hedonism like, bot from Futurama. I don't know what that means. There's a character and his name is hedonism bot and he's a robot and oh, okay. he's just a hedonist <laughs> okay and he's like he's like a robot but he's shaped like like a like a settee he's like lounging oh, okay. on one of those chairs okay. and he feeds himself grapes mm, mm. it's very funny yeah i think hedonism is different than decadence but okay okay so i really just wanted to reference hedonism bot the best <laughs> side character from futurama perhaps second to scruffy the janitor huh so wow not even the lawyer, the lawyer chicken doesn't. Mm, I think he'd be up there, but not. And he's no 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 patch on. Uh, no patch on Scruffy or Hedonism Bot. Okay. Robot Devil's also up there for anyone interested. Mm, mm. What I find so great about this song is that Dad is not interested. Obviously. Yeah. Well, it's not a Futurama episode thing. So <laughs> you said you said just stuff. Let's move on quickly, Mary. Let's not linger. <laughs> I just want to say about the song because we're talking about Alpha Costello right now. So. I've, Obviously, a subject you're completely fascinated by. Uh-huh, yep. But I've not heard very much about him my entire life. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I like about this song is that it's really simple in instrumentation. It's just a piano. It's just a bass. Mm-hmm. It's just Elvis Costello singing and then drummer. But it sounds so 
interesting. It sounds so weird. It's like nothing else that was being done at that time in its sound, you know, like right. no one else sounded like what they were doing, even though what they were doing was really simple. And I find that really interesting. You know, like this is 1981. It's the beginning of of the 80s sound. You know, it's starting to come about the the uh, the gated snare is, is, is on its on its way up. You know, and the synth stab and all the rest of that stuff, the Fairlight synthesizer, all that, those things are all coming into being. And, and here's this group of, uh, you know, plucky outsiders just kind of plowing their own furrow and making this really interesting art rock that's both, that has like a certain, it has an element of emotion to it as well. And, you know, it's Elvis Costello. Some of that emotion is negative. A lot of his songs have a kind of a, a chip on their shoulder quality to them as if he was like a glasses wearing kid his whole life, you know, and had something to prove. And that's part of his persona, for sure. Yeah, definitely. You know, he's kind of... I don't think he's as extreme an example, but he's kind of the R. Crumb of of uh, music, you know? Except not a weirdo. Yeah, not an absolute weirdo. I mean, he's a weirdo. All, all, all... He's not a sex weirdo, though, like R. Crumb. I don't know that much about it. At least he does not... Probably. Well, I guess he doesn't publicize it. He's not publicized. He's not his... like, I'm going to make my life's work being about how I'm a sex weirdo. <laughs> yeah. Exactly right. But, uh, why are you shaking your head? I'm just thinking about that R. Crumb documentary. Hmm. Yeah, I guess, you know, what's weird about him is that he kept that hidden. You know, he kept that side of himself not hidden, because he, obviously, he practiced it in, in private. Right. But he did not publicize it until he met his current wife, okay. Aileen Kaminsky Crumb. Hmm. And she was the one who encouraged him to, to go in that direction. And, oh, really? And, and just be absolutely honest about himself. Because wasn't all of his art like that, or was that not until he met his wife? Um... No, he tended to draw. I mean, his art had elements of that to it, but it wasn't. It wasn't fetishized, you know. It was, right. just, it was just one element of what he was doing, right? You know, so he he was like exploring, you know, tropes of twenties and thirties, art, you know, cartoon art styles, oh, okay, and sort of importing them into the sixties, but right. doing it in a sort of psychedelic way that you know sure. influenced by LSD and stuff like that. And then, but his stories were all made up. Mm-hmm. His stories weren't. They weren't about him, right? It wasn't until he met his wife who, right. who cheated autobiographical comics and she started encouraging okay. him to do that. Yeah. And so she really liked him pushing the envelope of that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I don't know. I have no, I personally have no trouble with it. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't, it doesn't bother me at yeah. all. I just, I just find, you know, it's fine. It's not hurting, yeah. it's not hurting anyone. It's, no, I guess so. You know, just he likes women with big bums. Yeah. You know, but everyone was like participating freely. They weren't, he wasn't forcing anyone to no, do I mean, this I mean, stuff, I, I guess that's true. There's that one scene where he's like watching that bow, that dance class or whatever, mm-hmm. like a creepo. But I mean, his I wife is in the class, so he's his wife's the, in the class, yeah. but those other people aren't his wife. No, it's fine. You know, they're just trying to dance. Yeah, but I mean, lots of men could be just sitting there looking. Uh, no, I know. But you're making a value judgment because you know him more than everyone else knows him. Right, so, I guess know. so. Yeah, I guess that's true. You know, yeah. and not all those women appeal to him also mm-hmm. because. They don't have big bums. Right. They don't yeah. have that jelly bean look that he wants. You yeah. Know? And yeah, I don't know. I just, I have a hard time. If he's a murderer. Yeah. I could con- condemn that. You know? No, that's fair. That's fair. I don't, you know, I'm not going to say I, I 100% admire him. I think he has problematic per- parts of his personality. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I really have, really like to steer away from like puritanical views of sexuality no, and stuff fair. like that's that. No, that's fair. And, you know, and. Yeah. When I look at like weirdo comics and stuff like that, where you know he had like his photo funnies in them, where it's just basically him getting to like act out his fantasies 
with with women yeah you know they're all like friends who are like taking part in these things right, knowing yeah. whether knowing you know no i guess that's true and i guess people who are buying it are like making a choice to buy it right he's mm-hmm. not like handing it out to people in the street like hey look what i'm into <laughs> you know or like posting it up in public places sure, sure. like and also the fact is that you know he was super popular until yeah. he started doing that, and then he suffered a major drop in popularity, right. and he just kept doing it. Yeah, you know, because they're like, "Bring back the keep on trucking guy." But that's exactly what it was. Yeah, you know, we want yeah. more Mr. Natural. We want, but we don't want Mr. Natural, the weird one that you're doing now. Yeah, we want the old one that was like a cute old guy who was like, you know, kicking flaky foont in the butt, and right. you know, it was like a parody of of the self help gurus of that time period. You yeah, know? and I don't know. I I have you know he's someone who you know obviously wanted to talk about himself right and wanted to discuss what he felt and what mm-hmm. his life had been like and things of like that mm-hmm. and and did it anyway even though he lost he lost the readership right lost, yeah i know, guess that's true i guess he's not and, promoting anything like harmful or doing anything harmful he's just being like yeah you know i don't think like i say i mean he was i think he was probably i mean i'm not gonna say probably i think he was a bad dad yeah like i don't think he was especially with his first Child, yeah, not a know. very present father. He wasn't a very present fa- father, but you know he had a lot of problems too. He yeah. was he was like a drug addict. Mm-hmm. He was a, a casualty of the '60s. Yeah. He also was a casualty of the IRS. Mm-hmm. You know, like even though he didn't make any money from it, people stole his keep on trucking image and sold it. Yeah. But he had to pay the bill for that. Right. As if he was the person getting oh, the money for really? that stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he had this huge IRS debt that he had to work off in the '70s. So, yeah. You know, he was just too busy working. To try and keep his head above water, yeah, you know, to be like, to be super active in his in, mm. in people's lives and stuff like that. Mm. But he also was like, a, he had a bad upbringing. Mm-hmm. His mom and dad were also. His mom was a drug addict. His dad was a marine sergeant guy. Right. You know, super strict. Probably not a very loving household. The kids, all of the kids have problems. Yeah. That's what at least all the boys do. I think they all suffered from, you know, like, uh, just have you know they have problems with their self image. You know. Yeah. So. And the fact that they're outsiders throughout their life in school and stuff like that, mm-hmm. you know, like, you know, no one's going to be popular because they draw animal, funny animal comics when they're teenagers, <laughs> you know, and publish them. Yeah. And walk around selling them door to door. Yeah. You know, like a lot of that stuff is like, and once you're in that kind of groove of your life, you're like making, making your own choices. Yeah. Towards following that, you know. Like, yeah, totally. Like no normal person is like, you know, has like an, an elaborate history of like trolley cars in the turn of the century America or goes around looking for blues records. Right. You know, for people. You know, and all those sort of things are like our outsider interests, you know, mm-hmm. but that just reflects the fact that you have become an outsider and you're just reinforcing that because you don't want to be the inside. You don't want to be on the inside anymore. Right. Because the inside to you sucks. Yeah. Because they've rejected you. So, yeah. of course, they suck. They can't be any good. Right. So, now here you are pl- plowing this particular furrow. Mm. But, yeah, he was a, you know, he was a really good artist. I mean, he is a really good, great artist. I'm so. not a fan of his style, personally. But. Oh, okay. Well, I really like, yeah, I do really yeah. like his style as well. So Too many so. lines. Hmm. Hmm. You should have seen his crazy brother. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's all lines. <laughs> yeah, he went. Well, he did go insane. So he just like would oh. draw lines, like wrinkles over everything, the faces, right. the clothes. Hmm. It was just like a giant, looked like a worm. Everything. So it's, he would just like overwork it. Yeah. To such a point. Did he design ET? <laughs> Bringing it back around. Bringing it back around. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's a. Scrum's an interesting character. Hmm. Very interesting. Hmm. I can understand why you don't don't like him yeah. because I do think that made a lot of choices that are repugnant to women yeah well yeah that's the thing like i just i don't know how much respect he has yeah for women like i feel like he like admires women's bodies but not in a way that he's admiring the person i feel like he's really just like fetish fetishizing the the body for sure you know 
as For opposed sure. to like seeing like maybe it might be different with his wife whoops yeah who i, I hope that he has a better relationship with but you know they're 60s 70s people so i think yeah. they, they live a pretty open marriage so yeah like it's yeah um it's hard to say with that but just like in general you know i don't think he's a person who has like a lot of respect yeah for the women that he finds attractive or any women at all probably especially i mean you know coming from a household like that it's mm-hmm. you know you can kind of not see why but understand how you can become like that you know but stuff like my troubles with women part one and uncle bob's midlife crisis mm-hmm. i can't remember the name of the story there's one where he's he has a dream about walking through his old neighborhood and his brother's in the dream with him and he had, talks about how this what a vivid dream it was that's really like those are really great comic book stories you know yeah. and the autobiographical element of it was something that not many people were doing at that time you yeah. know and like really changed how people approach you know and i think there's only you know eventually it's a tired form and i think the 90s proved that you know right. every person with an autobiographical comic but i do think that in the time like him and people like his wife Aileen kaminsky crumb or justin green were all like really pushing a sort of new narrative you right know, of, of uh, that kind of self-revelation and and mm-hmm. self-exoriation yeah like know? comics can be more than superheroes or gags yeah 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 and, you know, like, I don't think that Crumb is, like, putting a value judgment on his feelings about women. Mm-hmm. You know, he is, like, saying, like, this is how I grew up. Yeah. This is how I was treated. Right. And this is what I became. Yeah, he's not you saying, know? like, how I feel about women is good. He's yeah. just saying this is what it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, it's, it, there's no value judgment there. He's mm-hmm. not recommending it as a thing. Right. Like, if you want to know more, write to our Crumb at, yeah. you know. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess like Chester Brown as well does a lot of things like that where he's like, here's what I'm going through. Mm-hmm. I don't recommend this, <laughs> yeah, but this is where I'm at. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 I mean, yeah. And he's done that since early part of his career. I mean, after he did, after he did um, the highly, su- highly successful uh, Ed the Happy Clown ser- series of stories in, in Yummy Fur, then he started a series that was, at that time was called Fuck, then became I Never Liked You Anyway, mm-hmm. which is like all about like his relationship to pornography and masturbation right. and his feelings, of, you know, his, you know, these feelings that were all like suppressed, you know, right. and, re- and repressed. And yeah, I mean, it's valuable. And I think that, you know, like Crumb, on the other hand, Crumb was like the, like in Weirdo magazine, when he had like an opportunity to publish his own magazine and could have contributors and stuff like that, there was no one more supportive of the women who were cartoonists in San Francisco than Art Crumb. Mm-hmm. You know, and all all of them, you know, all of them got like a great Phoebe Gleckner, Dory Seda, yeah, Mary Fleener. All those people mm-hmm. were. Well, that's great. It's great that he, you know, was so supportive like that and wasn't trying to, you know, it wasn't yeah, it wasn't just like a, like the boys club. It wasn't a boys club. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Like, I mean, he kind of dumped all the old people that he'd done zap comics with and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And he like started a new crew of people that he, he, uh, that he championed, you know, and, and, but once again, you know, through his own particular lens of radical honesty and, and perhaps too radical, honesty. too, too, too honest in some <laughs> cases. Yeah. Or, yeah. Not too radical, but too, too honest. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Too much information. Now, Elvis Costello, I would put it in a sort of a similar boat that he mm-hmm. is a person that, through all fault of his own, mm-hmm. you know, had a lot of women troubles in his life. At this right. point in his life, he was in, I think he was in the midst of divorcing his wife or had divorced his wife. And most, and the reason he divorced his wife isn't because his wife was, was bad or whatever. It's because he had an affair right. with, a, with a groupie, with, mm-hmm. a, with basically a super groupie, yeah. a woman named B.B. Buell, and who was Todd Rund- also Todd Rundgren's main squeeze for a while before okay. she... Moved, moved on over to Elvis Costello. Right. And he, you know, he uh, 
you know, he was dealing with his own thing. And sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, like music isn't, music is a reflection of the artist. Yeah. And sometimes an artist are in an uptime and sometimes they're in a downtime, you know. And That's sometimes true. your music reflects the downtime. I mean, yeah, they're, they're and, people, right? Mm-hmm. Often mm-hmm. people who have been given too much power. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, and I think you kind of have to be aware that you can't, you have to take what they're singing with a grain of salt in some ways. You can't take it as a badge for yourself and walk yeah. around and say, oh, the Costello is mad at women. I'm mad at women. Yeah. You're like, I read something by Dave Sim and it's changed my entire worldview. <laughs> what is that? Which one? The religious thing? Or the, oh, no, I can't even understand that. No, no. The women. They are, they are, uh, whatever they called them. Had some name for them. Can't read this now. Moon thing or something else? No, no. No, the moon thing was really interesting. I really liked the moon series because yeah. that was like really like, like super feminist. Right. Like when people, when guys read that, they all got mad about it, mm. you know, but no one like stopped reading the comic. Yeah. It wasn't until issue 186 when he published this thing calling women voids and men shafts of light that that's when people went, well, I don't know if this is a... Now, if he had had just published that story and had not like verbalized it in his own words outside of the comic, you could have made the argument that he's showing different aspects of this, of what happening in service anyway which was a the seerness which were like a a female Mm -hmm. you know catholic church basically female run catholic church versus the more secular world of service's world and and the fact that the seerness took over this world yeah and you know that's an interesting Mm -hmm. interesting you know binary thing to explore you can can make you can like write fictitious things Mm -hmm. that have like negative or aspects that people don't agree with. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's one thing. Mm-hmm. But then to go out there and be like, uh, also, this is what I really believe. <laughs> yeah, that's where I think where the problem grew. And I, yeah. I feel like, I don't want to speak for Dave Sim. I do think that he's kind of, he's kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. Like that, that he's an extremist. Yes. You know, so he has no like middle ground. Like he has no, yeah. he has no he's not a compromiser, you know. Mm-hmm. So he's like all the way over this, in that direction, you know. Yeah. And so... When, when people like objected, like when when other creators and stuff like that objected and came down and hard on them for yeah. issue one eighty six, rather than just be quiet, yeah, or be like, hmm, maybe I should think more about this privately to myself. No, I don't think, I don't think that he needed to apologize for a p- work of fiction. I didn't say he was apologizing. Okay. I said maybe I should think more about this to myself and think about what my thoughts are on it. Yeah, maybe. Right? Like, using the time, like, when someone (laughs) criticizes you, you can either do nothing. Yeah. Respond negatively. Yeah. Or use it to reflect and grow. Yeah. Right? Sure. Can I do all three? Yes. Okay, thanks. Because I'm going to respond negatively. No, you're wrong. Uh Uh-huh. What was the second one? Uh, Do nothing. I'm going to throw, I'm just going to sit here for a few minutes. Thank God for truncate silence. And then I'm going to, uh, and then I'm also going to throw it back at you, Mary. No, no, no. That was, the third one was grow. No, not not that. Grow. Oh, sorry. Reflect and grow. Not throw pens at me. The pen was symbolic. Of? Of the argument. Oh, okay. I just threw it back at you. No, I don't like that. <laughs> um, no, I don't. I agree with you, but I think that... I don't think that he had to, like, apologize for it or write about it. Yeah. Or come out... He just, just should have kept his head down. Right. And just kept on working. Yeah. You know, and then it would have come out the other side, because I think that, like, that, that section of Cerebus is... Mm-hmm. Boring. Mm. So boring. People would have skipped it, is what you're saying. I think people would have, even if they didn't skip it, I mean, I read it all, but 
I think that you just would have been like, okay, that was weird, but yeah. But it's just like the opinion of a guy in the story. It's not yeah. written as it's not written as an editorial, right? Yeah. You know, so you're just kind of like, oh. it's not like author's note. Dave Sim says this is what I believe. <laughs> yes, right. Women are terrible. <laughs> so you, so you, you wouldn't you'd be thinking, oh, this Victor whoever in the book is yeah. a jerk, right? But you're not be thinking, oh, Dave Sim is a jerk for writing about this jerk. Yeah. Like no one says, oh, Stephen King's a jerk because his car- he writes about about the hat. Yeah. In Doctor Sleep, right? It was like, oh, he supports women who kill children. Yeah, he supports witches who kill children. Mm-hmm. Boo, boo, Stephen King. Like no one thinks yeah, that, right? Boo, Roald Dahl. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> so if you just keep your head down and work, yeah, hopefully people will come out the other side of it and be like, oh, okay, that's that's interesting. Like he presented this argument, and now we're seeing the results of this tyrannist or Syrianist, sorry, Syrianist uh, takeover of. Yeah. of of this, whatever this area is called in the service story. Yeah. And then we see that play out. And then we see it play out till it gets to the very, right. the very metaphysical end of the story, of the story, where I think it should end at issue 250. Uh, that's not issue 300, Dad. Wasn't you trying to get to 300? Uh, yeah. That's not issue 300. I know. You can't end you there. You should have just stopped, though. You can't do that. Or was he- it 200? It's somewhere around there. He should have just stopped at some... At, there's a point where it's, like, obviously ended, the story ended. Mm-hmm. And then he just had to keep going, though, because he'd already said he was going to do 500 issues. Oh, 500. Yeah. Mm. So I think he came to 250. Spoilers. He meets himself. Mm-hmm. Service so meets him. Service meets Dave Sim. Oh, okay. Dave Sim is the author. Right. And it's basically like the end of Donald Duck, or the Bugs Bunny one, Duck, or Duck and Muck. The, uh-huh. you know, the, the, yes, classic. And basically kind of like that, where he meets his, meets his creator. Yeah. And that's where it should end. Yeah. You know? He can't go anywhere from there after mm-hmm. that. But no, he still had more things to tell us about shafts and or shafts of light and voids and yeah. blah 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 do i have all those books not all of them but you were you're saying that when people criticized him yeah he should have just put his head down but instead he instead he doubled down on it yeah so no no this is what i really believe yeah women are voids yeah women do suck men's creativity hmm. what about creative women what do they do <laughs> like what does this mean impossible yeah exactly right <laughs> but but then again he was like a major supporter of women when he started right yeah. like he was like like uh, as long as they were like, as long as they were like independent. Supporting him. No, no, not supporting oh. him, but just independent creators, right? Yeah. You know, people like Colleen Duran or or Wendy Peeney and stuff mm-hmm. like that from that time period doing ElfQuest or or Distant Soil. You know, those there weren't that many women at that time. You yeah. Know? But the ones that were there, he was supporting. Mm-hmm. You know, and and he loved, you know, he loved uh, Roberta Gregory mm-hmm. with Naughty Bits and stuff like that. Like mm-hmm. you know, he loved all this, and it's just so weird that he like. Yeah. Lost his marbles, but I just feel like you know he's just a person that kind of compromise. Yeah. And once people con- criticize him on this thing, yeah. Rather than just say, rather than just be quiet about it, yeah. You know, he had to get on a soapbox and write even worse stuff. Yeah. And it's, but it's so indefensible mm-hmm. that the defenses are just ridi- just la- you know laughable. Yeah. And so it just becomes worse and worse. Yeah. Well, I I, I have not read any of the stuff he wrote, mm-hmm. but I have heard people say that he like used things that the serenists that he wrote said as evidence why women were terrible. Or he'd be <laughs> I like, don't know about that. I've not read, I've not read, I have to be honest with you, I haven't read Tangents, which is yeah. like his major like editorial he wrote after 186. Because okay. I'm not interested in that part of it, right? Yeah. Like, that's not what I'm reading Cerebus for. No. I'm reading Cerebus for the story Cerebus. Yeah. You know? You're not reading it because you're like, I really like this Dave Sim guy. Let's hear what he has to say. Oh, the hard part is I did, I did really like that Dave Sim guy. You know, yeah. I met him in person a couple of times and he yeah. was a really nice person. You know, he's a really nice guy. Mm-hmm. You know, I stood with him. Him, Colin Upton, Ian and I stood together singing the national anthem, painting an anthem in uh, San Jose at the mm. uh, first ape. You know, like, that was just a fun thing to do, you know? Yeah. 
And he was a fun guy, mm -hmm. you know. But then something happened and he became not a fun guy. Yeah. And then he became a religious zealot. Yeah. Which is even weirder. Yeah. You know, but talented religious crazy zealot. Yeah. Oh, see, that was the wrong, wrong way to say adjectives. Talented He's religious a, crazy zealot. Yeah, that's wrong. Yeah. He's a crazy talented religious zealot. Yeah. <laughs> that's the proper way to say it. <laughs> see, it, does, it is true, right? Yeah. There is a way to say adjectives. Mm -hmm. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway, should we move on to our next song? <sighs> Do I have to give up on my Elvis Costello argument? Anyway, everyone, if you want a great Elvis Costello album, you should listen to Trust because it has so many great songs in it. <laughs> so many great songs. Okay. Let, and this is the last one that, uh, well, the last of the line that Nick Lowe produced. Oh, okay. So Nick Lowe produced every Elvis Costello album starting with his first album, My Aim is True, up to Trust. I guess except for, um, I guess for Almost Blue. I guess I, I guess that's... But Almost Blue was kind of like a, a weird detour into country music that he did with Billy Sherrill, the, one of the kind of creators of Nash... Nash... What was it called? Countrypolitan music. That's what it's called. Countrypolitan music. Hmm. Very sophisticated sounding kind of country music. Right. A lot of strings and stuff on it. Choirs. Yep. And so Alice Costello went to Nashville and had that produced. But I think that was... That might have been after the Trust, actually. So maybe I'm misspeaking. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Yeah, I am misspeaking. Sorry. Forget it. Forget what I said, everybody. Carry on. It's forgotten. It came after this one. Yeah, but that, this was the last one he did with Nick Lowe until, um, until Blood and Chocolate, hmm. which Nick Lowe produced. And that's, uh, anyway. Okay, next song. Let's, uh, let's take it easy. Like, this song recommends, well, it doesn't recommend it, actually, because you know what, Mary? What? Sometimes you can take it easy too long. This is from an album I will tell you about when I come back, because I forgot to write down what the album was called. <laughs> and I should know it. It's American Goldwing. American Goldwing. But I'm not sure when it came out. It's sometime in the 2000s. Okay. All right. We'll be right back, everybody. I've been taking it easy too long Sticking around this lonesome town Like a bird that just won't fly Oh, why can't I? Just get over you What'll I do? I've been taking it easy too long Hanging around in a reckless way Drinking whiskey on the tracks All of the plans I've made Should have been gone 
Blitz and Trapper. I don't, I don't know what I said about the song to start, so I'm going to say it all, all now. That was Blitz and Trapper. The song was Take It Easy Too Long from their album, their 2011 album, American Goldwing and Mary. Yes. What you think of this song? Well, David, I hate country music, Dedrick. Yes. Um, I liked it. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> I don't hate country rock for the most part. There's some of it I don't don't enjoy, but uh, I do like I do like rock music with a country tinge to it. Hmm. But I'm not a big fan of, of country music. Because you got to admit, this person, they're from Portland, Oregon, and they're not singing with a uh, fake accent. Like, they're not, they're not putting on a, a country, Paul, country accent. Taking it easy to Dad, you're getting, um, like, country music and, like, radio country music mixed up. Well, I don't know if I'm getting it mixed up, but I'm, 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 I'm putting them in a... You're conflating them. I'm conflating them, perhaps, yeah. I don't like I don't like radio country music. You're right. No, no one does. It's terrible. <laughs> no, apparently it's quite popular. Hmm. No, I don't think so. <laughs> the stations seem to be on the air still, and people people seem to be driving around with it. Not not like they used to. Like you missed the popularity of like 20 years ago. Oh my gosh, country music became uh, rock music for people who were too wimpy to like rock music. And that's how I oh, still kind of think about it. Dad. Yeah. I grew up in Pony Club. <laughs> I know. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, so we played. A, I think we played at least one song before we Blitz and Trappers. So I won't go I too so. much into into them, but this was from their sixth album. And hey, this is a Christmas band. It's a Christmas band. Uh huh. Oh, Blitz and Trapper. Blitzen. Yeah, that's one right. One of Santa's reindeer. <laughs> that's right. Good, good, good call. Um, apparently, the songwriting for this album was spurred on by the uh, the, the tragic death of someone that affected the uh, main songwriter for the group, Eric Early, very deeply. Oh. And so he wrote and recorded and finished the album in a span of six months and what's interesting is that album was finished before they even started touring their 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 last album which was called destroyer destroyer of the void and before they even started touring that album they'd already like finished this album so they're out there touring and promoting this album that like you said was kind of in the past he already had like this other album in the can and that was like his new music that no one right. had heard yet um but he says the song refers to the line between love and loss that can occur when you find yourself in his own words taking it easy too long sticking around this lonesome town. And what he meant was the fine line between the suburban and the rural that defines much of America. That's what he kind of thought of as this small town hmm. life. And it was the first album by them that was co-produced. They had a producer, this guy named Greg Williams, who had worked with other Portland bands like the Dandy Warhols and uh, Quarter Flash. And Mary, if you can remember who Quarter Flash was, you're old. Yeah, I cannot remember who Quarter Flash was. That's fine. But you like the song? Yeah, it was fun. Yeah? Or, yeah. And not fun, but it was nice. Yeah. It was a nice song. Yeah. yeah. And when you heard it, you went, I thought Dad said he didn't like country music. Yes. <laughs> I was like, Dad, how come you say we you don't like country music, but we keep listening to country songs on this podcast? <laughs> I'm okay with country rock. 
Country rock is fine. This is uh this is a recent addendum to your I don't like country music thing, by the way. You're okay with country rock? Yeah, but I mean I like the birds, sweetheart of the rodeo. Yep. For a long time. I like uh the Breeder Flying Breeder Brothers. Mm-hmm. I think they're really good. You know? Yep. After that I'm become less enamored of it. Mm-hmm. Early Poco I'm I'm okay with. Mm-hmm. Then I think it gets really boring. Right. You know. As it get as it turns into the Eagles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and of course your favorite band, the Eagles. Yeah, that's boring. Boring. All right. Let's move on then, Mare. Okay. Let's move on to another another band. And this band has a fascinating story. Okay. So I can't wait to play this song, which okay. I'm sure Mary loves. Because this band is from 1987. Mary's favorite decade. <laughs> so this is Dump Truck. The song is Island. Let's give it a listen, everybody. I hope you enjoy it. It's more jangle pop than it is 80s pop. Mm-hmm. Let's yeah. give it a listen. Dump Truck, huh?
All right, and we're back. Mary? Yes? Did this song by Dump Truck run you over? Um, I thought it was pretty fun. Yeah? Uh, I thought it was pretty catchy. Great. But I didn't like the singing. Oh, okay. I thought it was too affected. Too affected? Yes. Wow. Okay. Interesting. So, I disagree, I guess. I, I like them quite a bit. I particularly like this song a lot. This you my, like the singing a lot? This is my favorite song. I mean, I think it's not the best singing in the world. But you know what, Mary? It was the 80s. Yeah. The 80s was the decade of not the best singing in the world. Like, you know, it was pretty unusual to have a, a group that was, like, full of great singers, I think. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, there's a few. I guess Ian McCulloch from the Echo and the Bunnymen, Morrissey, I would argue, was a pretty good singer. But I think he got better as he went. I don't think he was, like, great at the beginning. And I would have a hard time finding other ones of, of like indie rock. I'm not talking about like commercial synth pop and stuff like that. That that was full of a lot of guys who, you know, with tenor or kind of baritone voices, very stentorian singing. And, you know, I guess that's, if that's what you like, that's what you like, you know, mm-hmm. to go along with all the beeps and boops. But, you know, if you wanted to listen to sort of like impassioned singing of that time period, well, art rock or post-punk, you know, it, it kind of came with the, you know, and if you listen to like a Sarah Records compilation of that time period or any kind of like C86 compilation or C80 or all the all those ones that were like kind of driven by that C86 sound which is basically like guitar bands with singers with very wavery voices as far as like where the tune act actually is but you know as someone who grew up in that time and really embraced that sound as as like the sound of 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 my you know of my whatever I want to call it subset of nerdy you know, shy guys who, you know, just want to listen to songs played by guys with hollow body guitars, you know, mm. who, you know, had trouble, had trouble finding the, finding the, the dominant note in the, in the uh, song. I think that's, you know, then you can get over that. But I, maybe, you know, for you to come back and look at it from the past or from the future and look back at the past like that, you're kind of like, eh, not the greatest singers in the world. But I feel like that was, yeah, just, a, that was just the time period, you know? Yeah, that's true. That's true. If you're listening to like the Bluebells or the... I don't know who else I could think of off the top of my head. I'm, of course, now that I'm trying to think of bands off the top of my head, I'm stuck, stuck, Mary. But yeah, like you know, Bluebells. Who, who else am I thinking of? Like, uh, well, Felt is an obvious example of a singer who really, whew, boy. <laughs> but you know, meant it. You know, meant what he was singing. You know, so I really appreciate that. Um, yeah, the I don't know who else. Name name a band, you guys. You can you can fill in the blank for me. I would appreciate it. So Dump Truck were American though. They weren't British. They were uh, formed in 1983 by a guy named Seth, Seth Tiven, Seth who is the principal songwriter and the only constant in the band's lineup over the years. And this song is from their third album, which is called For the Country, that came out in 1987. And the band had just got off this super difficult tour from the, for their second album, D is for Dump Truck. And they, they like basically, they lost a couple of members because they were just like, you know what, if this was what being in a band is... I want none of it. And so they left. And so they had to kind of like get a new uh, guitar player and, 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 you know, get new members. And so, but the record company was really happy with the progress they're making. And so they kind of gave them like this offer. Like, if you guys keep going, mm-hmm. we're going to send you to England. We're going to send you to Wales. So that's not really England, by the way. We're going to send you to Great Britain. We're going to send you to Wales, to Rockfield Studios, the legendary Rockfield Studios, where you're going to be produced by Hugh Jones, who at that time was like a really hot producer. Right. He'd work with... um Adam and the Ants, The Teardrop Explodes, Simple Minds, Echo and the Bunnymen, The Undertones, uh, all my favorite Undertones album, Positive Touch. Right, everyone? Woo! Um, 
that has Julie Ocean on it. So good. Uh, Modern English, uh, The Ice School Works. So all these really like bands that I was listening to when I was this age. Yeah. You know, like Ooh. every one of these bands are in my record collection from this time period. You know, and uh, and so he was like a real proponent of jangle pop in in England. And then Rockfield Studios was a studio that was started, I think, in the late '60s by a guy who had a was a, I was on a farm in Wales, I guess. Um, by this, this guy who started had a really like a really uh, indulgent father because he let his son put a recording studio into their barn. Okay. And so when Rockfield Studios started, it was literally in a barn, and when you tracked in and out of out of the out of the control room, you would track hay in and out of it. Huh. And uh, over time, it was replaced by a more legitimate studio, but it was on a farm in Wales. That's kind of where Dave Edmonds started. That's where he started recording because he could because it was small. They didn't mind him like using like downtime to to. To record and stuff like that so he he kind of did a lot of like early kind of solo stuff there and sort of made it his own place and um later on uh brinsley swartz which featured nick lowe would would record there that's where they met dave dave Edmonds and nick lowe mm-hmm. so that was very very thrilling for these guys you know like oh this this is music history they were taking part of here this is great so um oh did i say that sorry Diaz for dump track is their first album positively dump track is their second one and that one though they recorded at mitch easter's studio in um in uh, sort of, I think in North, it's called like Salem, somewhere other, North Salem, Chapel Hill area. It's called, it's called the Drive-In Studio in North Carolina. And um, they were produced by Don Dixon. Hmm. And Easter and Dixon co-produced the first REM albums. Okay. And so they were like, they were the hot commodity. And they were kind of the, the early, they were like the producers. They were the American proponents of Jangle Pop, basically. Right. So they're like the Hugh Jones of, of America. And so, so they were really happy to have this opportunity to work with Hugh Jones so just as things were kind of looking up for the band, you know, the album came out to great reviews. They're on tour. Everything's going great. Then the band discovered that their label, which was called Big Time Records, uh, was in financial trouble hmm. because the checks they were getting from the label started to bounce. And so they had a meeting with the label. And it was during this meeting that they learned that their contract had not been renewed prior to its expiration date. So they had a f- their contract was no longer in effect hmm. with the label. Then the band learned in early 1988... The, the, the label was negotiating to sell the band's cron- contract to Phonogram Records. Okay. So the band's lawyer stepped in and contacted Phonogram and said, don't negotiate with, with uh, Big Time. Right. Because they don't have a contract with the band. So if you buy the contract, you're not buying the band. Mm-hmm. And by, by, by doing this, Big Time responded by suing the band for $5 million in damages and threatened Phonogram with a $10 million suit. Whoa. So Phonogram, of course... And also other labels yeah. backed off. No one would sign the band. So they had no, they had nowhere to... No record label. No right? record label, yeah. but nowhere to, for the, to issue their music and no place. So the only way they could make money was by touring and in the middle of a huge legal case. Right. So they're paying for lawyers and stuff like yeah. that because they have a $5 million lawsuit, lawsuit. against Oof. them. Yeah. yeah. So after nearly three years and the cost of $40,000 in legal fees, mm-hmm. the band received a default judgment because the label's lawyers didn't show up for a hearing. So they probably weren't being paid, and so they didn't bother showing up. Right. So the case, the, so the label defaulted their case and lost, and the judge awarded $240,000 in damages to the band, hmm. and they got to ha- they got control of their master, so they own the recordings. Oh, good. Oh, that sounds good. Hmm. They own the recordings. But then, after one of the letter, one of the label's other creditors filed a lien against the band's masters, the band broke up in 1991. Right. They'd had enough. So the main guy said, Seth Tyven, he moved to um, Austin, Texas, and became a computer programmer there. But I think sometime in the nine, late 90s, they, 
kind of restarted the band up. But one of the guys came back to, and said, "You know, we should." He also had moved back, moved to Austin, and so they hooked up together and and started playing together. And they thought oh, it would be fun to revive Dump Truck, and they did, and released a couple of new, newer albums. And a little while ago, they put out like a collection of their their three albums, which is right. which is good because it, the money goes to them. Since yeah, they own, own it that's all. good. So that's good. Yeah, but it is a good song. I really like it. I think it's a great song. I'm sorry that you didn't like this. The slightly. I didn't like the singing, but I thought it was a fun song, and I thought yeah. it was very catchy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that's good. I'm glad that. Yeah, okay, well, let's move on to the next song, everyone. We haven't had a dose of power pop for a while, so let's have a, a, our bi-weekly dose of power pop. And uh, this is 2020. 2020? And their song, <laughs> their song, Giving It All. And this song was uh, not on an album. This is a Bomp record single that came out in 1978. So let's give a listen, everybody. Here we go. This is... Uh, this is power pop, but it has a real strong Beatles element to it. So, mm. of course, I love it. Let's give it, a, let's give it a listen. Let's give it a listen. I think I said live it a listen. But I don't want you to live it a listen. I want you to give it a listen. Enough for me. Let's listen to the song. Ugh. What did you think of 2020s giving it all? I liked it. Oh, good, good. Yeah. yeah, I just well, the song has one of the things I really like in a song, which is like 
it has a great melody. It's really catchy, but then it uses like the simplest of all time chord things. Mm. I don't even know what it's called. Yeah. But it's just like, I just think of it as like a blues thing where it goes like, you play like a simple bar chord mm-hmm. and then you just move your pinky two frets down. And then you, you, so you just go You just do that over and over again. And then you just like write a catchy tune over top of that. Right. Everyone goes, woo. Woo. Let's hear it for simplicity. And that's what the song is, basically. It's just yeah. really simple pop music uh, of that time period, the magical days of power pop, mm-hmm. which, discounting raspberries and the raspberries and Badfinger, mm-hmm. who were kind of proto power pop. Right. They're the like the they're the people who kind of spurred on yeah. the next generation of kids who like in the like from seventy six onwards. We're like, woo, power pop. We're like, yeah, let's let's revive the Beatles sound with this kind of newer early seventies sound of the yeah. Beatles and then we'll you know, people influenced by the Beatles sound and we'll make our own kind of power pop with like a punk ele- punky element to it and it'll be great. And then mm-hmm. and then it kinda of all the the bottom fell out of the market in nineteen eighty three and then everyone just broke up. Right. But up until that point, it was great. And this would be another example of a group like that. So there two of the members of the group were from uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. They knew each other there. They didn't play in bands together, but they went to university to, or college together. One of the guys graduated with a music degree. One guy named Steve Allen, the guy named Ron Flint. And then after university, Steve Allen went to went to, went to Los Angeles, moved to Los Angeles in 1977 after fellow Tulsans. I don't know if that's what you call them, but I'll call them Tulsans or Tulsites. Tulsites. Fellow Tulsans Phil Seymour and Dwight Twilley of the Dwight Twilley Band had found a lot of success there. So he's like, well, maybe I can be a success. So he moved right. there. And then he, there he met this guy named Mike Gallo, who was a drummer, keyboardist, songwriter. Mm-hmm. And they started working together, writing songs and playing. And then they were joined by Ron Flint. Ron Flint moved from Tulsa and weirdly had to audition for the band. Hmm, that is weird. That is kind of weird because they were friends. I thought him and Steve Allen were friends. But anyway, he auditioned for the band and he, he got in. Yeah, He cool. got in. That's good. So then the band signed with Greg Shaw's Bomp label, who weren't like a big label. Basically, if you sign with Bomp, you're getting, you're getting a single. Right. You're getting a single. Bomp. Like, I was reading, it, reading something and it was saying that on, on average in the 60s, 3,000 singles were put out a year. Yeah. And so I imagine... 3,000 a year. It's a lot. Yeah. So I imagine it would have been even... Might, it might have been slightly more in That's the like 70s. That's like 10 a day. Yeah. That, yeah. No. Is Wait. That That's like 100 a day. 100 a day? Wait. <laughs> 300 times 10 would be... Yeah, would be 3,000. Oh, yeah. Okay. I don't yeah, know why so my a, math was all... 10 a day, yeah. And probably yeah. not all released on, on the same day. Well, probably all released on the same day. There probably was like a day like Friday or whatever that singles would, <laughs> singles would appear at the yeah. store. I was never much of a single buyer, so I don't remember how singles <coughs> appeared in stores, but I thought they were kind of a waste of money. It's like how movies always come out on Fridays. So like looking at a list of movies released in 2020, yeah. and it's like January, and then it has like the like each Friday, yeah. it yeah. lists it, then it has all the movies that came out mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. on each Friday. So they did this. They did a single for, for Bomp, which got them a record contract with, with Portrait Records. And strangely, this is a curious fact, that during the recording of the first album, Mike Gallo... Mm-hmm. Keyword is drummer, Mike Gallo. Mm-hmm. Was let go from the group. Oh, no. It seems kind of weird. And I'm just wondering, now I'm looking, now when I look back at the fact that Ron Flint had to audition for the group, I'm kind of wondering if Mike Gallo was a bit of a stickler, a bit of a nut. And maybe, maybe that was what happened there. I don't know. It just seemed kind of weird. Kind of strange. But anyway, great song. And even if you only do one great song, you got you know, that's good enough. That's yep. good enough for me. Yep. This is, this is my saying. You're a one hit wonder? How wonderful. <laughs> yeah, I'm a no-hit wonder. Me too. Me too. All right. Next song, everybody. Speaking of no-hit wonders, this is uh, the Nova Local. Mm-hmm. 
This is a, from 1968, from their album called Nova One. See, it was supposed to be the first of many albums, I suppose. Nova One, this song is called John Knight's Body. Let's give it a listen, everybody. September 3rd was the wicked day When the men in blue caught me away For a crime unfit for a gentleman I plead to you, help me if you can Now we found a cure For a suspect they didn't have to look Cause they found my name in his pocketbook I wanna get out I'm much too young to have to die Why am I here? Don't ask me why It's a mistake I have been framed Please for my sake don't let me Since I've seen delight And the gods beat me If I make a noise And I wouldn't be here If I had my choice I wanna get out Mr. Warden Mr. Warden, hear my plea Mr. Warden Mr. Warden, it's not me Mr. Warden Mr. Warden, I miss my What did you think of uh, what do you think of John Knight's body? <laughs> we changed your page. <laughs> I liked it. Okay. I thought it was a fun song. Oh, great, great. That's good. Yeah, a real psych, a real kind of I don't know if you want to call it bubblegum psych, but it is a little bit bubblegum in a way. The guy's voice is very it's kind of high. It really reminds me a lot of the singer for the Three O'clock, and I, I wonder if the singer for the Three O'clock knew who the, knew this group at all. But I I, I don't know. I first heard them. Mm-hmm. I used to shop at a. Re- I used to shop and work at a record store called Reminiscing Records. It was in Surrey, BC, by the Wally Ring Road, by the Wally Bus Exchange. Mm. And I used to, when I was, when I go in there and look for records, what I like to do is, if I found a record that was a six, '60s kind of psych record that wasn't too expensive, I would buy it if I had the money. So, so often they're around four ninety nine for records like that. And so this is when I bought from that. Like I was like, oh, this record is old. It's psych. It's four ninety nine. It's mm-hmm. everything I look for in a record. I'm going to buy it. So I, right. just, I just bought it on spec. Old, psych, and cheap. Yeah, and so or, yeah, reasonably cheap. I mean, four four ninety nine in uh, those days wasn't wasn't nothing, but it was. When was this? Nineteen nineteen eighty nine, nineteen eighty eight, eighty nine. Oh, okay, so maybe like ten dollars now. Yeah, around there, I guess. And so yeah, I would just kind of like be like, oh, this is worth a chance, and see what it's like. And I really really liked it a lot. There are some bad stuff. Is is some bad stuff on there? There's a there's like an eight minute long version of Tobacco Road. <laughs> Which nobody needs, but I think no. it's a case of where a band was like, "We want to make a record with your with your band." And the band's like, 
great we have like five songs so <laughs> we better stretch out a couple of songs yeah. here real long here we're, yeah take you down a tobacco road and everybody yeah great so uh just for posterity's sake this band was um the members were randy winburn mm-hmm. who was the singer songwriter uh guitarist joe mendick and phil lambeth mm-hmm. bassist jim opton mm-hmm. keyboardist cam shinham 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 yep okay and drummer bill lavasseur Bill Levasseur. Yeah, and they they recorded um, they recorded one album uh, for Decca Records. And this was the album, but true to that label's history of technological innovation, this was the first record ever recorded using Dolby noise reduction. Cool. Yeah, it was a brand new process that had just been developed, and so they used it on this album. And then um, the record was produced by a guy named Elliot Mazer, mm-hmm. who you might not know, but he has been like a kind of Neil Young stalwart. For the last how many years, I don't even know. Like, not There's David Briggs, who is Neil Young's go-to, but that if he was going to do kind of something a little bit different sounding, he would go to Elliot Mazur right. to be his producer. So he's worked on and off with Neil Young throughout, throughout the years. But this was one of his first uh, rock and roll productions. And interesting thing, when I was reading about this, I found a story written by this guy who was talking about how their first single called um, If You Only Had the Time that came out as a single backed with a song called Games, which is not on the album. They both came out in 67. Uh, he was talking about how his dad had the single when he was growing up and how much he loved it. and thought it was like, the greatest thing ever. And then he bought the record and he was like, pretty good, not as great as a single. Right. But still pretty good. But then he was talking about how John Knight's body, the single was different than the recording on the album because it had like this weird piano part in it. Hmm. And so I was really curious about that. And I was able to find like a copy of it online yeah. and listen to it. And I thought it was kind of funny. Just, I do think the album version's slightly better, but I think it's sort of cool to hear like the the see the single version. Right. So I think it's kind of fun that they that they would do like a a version like that. So I'm going to play it now. I'm going to play another version of John Knight's Body. Everybody, if you didn't like it the first time, you're going to love it the second time. <laughs> and this is um, but this is the single version that came out in 1967, as opposed to the 1968 album version. All right, here we go.
All right, so that was a little different, Hamer. That uh, they took off, instead of okay. There's two interesting things to me here. One is one is first, it's a single. Okay. And apparently, according to the guitar player in the group, uh, when they had the session for this album, the when they uh, sorry had the session for the single, they the producer just brought in at random some piano player. Mm-hmm. Who hadn't heard the song before, and he just like played whatever he felt like, right? And that's what you hear on the song. It's yeah. just like this weird <clears throat> thing. The other thing I think is interesting is that they either re-recorded the song for the record, or they took the song from the single and they added strings to it for the album, which seems so weird because it was not going to be used as a single. It's just an album track then, so it's just weird that you would l- then spend more money on that track, yeah, to add strings to it. It's strange, but that's what they did. Um, okay, we're just going to play one more song by them, just because, you know what, we're probably never going to hear them again, and so I just want to give, I want to give the Nova Local their little time in the sun here, because, you know, these guys were in a group, they got to do one album, and then they broke up for whatever reason, two, two, a couple of the guys went into law. Yeah. In fact, their guitar player, their main guitar player, <clears throat> he actually left the group uh, a couple songs into the sessions for the, for the album, he just left, because he had to go back, he wanted to return to law school, hmm. so he just left, uh... And kind of left everyone high and dry, and then the band sort of broke up afterwards. But so let's, but let's. This is the B side to their first single, um, which I already named. I'm gonna have to figure it out. If if you only had the time, this is the B side, which is called Games. This is also from 1967. This is from the, the B side from their first single. So here we go, everybody. Don't look. You can never see. Uh, games by the Nova Local. That was more of a kind of a garage rock song. Mary, what do you think of that one? That one was pr- pretty fun. It was a rock and good time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they're they were a not bad group, but uh, I think they were kind of ill served by the hurly burly of that time period where they just kind of got rushed into the studio and 
and their album kind of got rushed out the door and then mm. got rushed right into the back of a van and then yeah. rushed rushed into a remainder bin and then it, that's where yeah you know i think for me well a lot of the records i bought i i when I bought them at Reminiscing, I think they came from a sale of a from a person who collected records that were discarded by the radio station he worked at. So a lot of them were like you know like were um, promotional albums oh, okay. that came in and then they weren't selling. They weren't well, they weren't played on air, oh, so they okay. just they never got into the rotation. <clears throat> right. And so then they just ended up going out the back door hmm. into this guy's pocket. Nice. He had a very big pocket. He had a re- record-sized pocket. Right. Perhaps some sort of briefcase. Mm. <clears throat> no. You're thinking like a, like an overcoat with I a think really he, big pocket in right, it? Just a, no, just a pair of <clears throat> jeans with a really big pocket. Hmm. Re- big jock, big pocket. Yeah, yeah. Maybe he just had like a really flat bum. <laughs> really flat, shoved, long bum. Yeah, he just shoved the record down the back of his pants and walked out No, and then he made like normally. A, a pocket Yeah. that was like all across the back of his oh, pants. Oh, okay, I see, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Makes sense. Customized pants for his flat, really long bum. Yes, exactly. And also for record stealing. Sure. All right. Um, should we play another song? I guess so. All right. We're going to play a song by a mysterious group called Lincoln. And this is uh, from an album an album called Kibokin, which is K-I-B-O-K-I-N. I have no idea how to spell it or I mean pronounce it. I know how to spell it because it's the letters are in front of me, but I don't know how to pronounce those letters. Is what I meant to say. Instead, I said I don't know how to spell it. When it was clearly, I just had spelt it. <sighs> Let's listen to the song. Okay. With a bullet Got my finger on the trigger Gonna pull it Had you kiss Before I knew it Turning lies there to guide me. 
took a look at him and dragged me Little mistake Little mistake Little mistake Little mistake My little mistake Little mistake thoughts on Lincoln and the song Little Mistakes? Um, I thought it was too slow and quiet. Yeah. Uh, until about 4.5 minutes in. Okay. And then it picked up. Yeah. I liked it after that. Really? But the first four and a half minutes, I was like, meh. Huh. But did, did you listen to it again? No. Oh, you only listened to it once? Well, no, I did. I listened to it multiple times. Oh, okay, okay. But I only made notes about it once. Oh, no, no. I, mean, I know what you mean, but... So, but did you like it better the second time, like when you knew that it would pick up a, a bit more, or did you just not like the beginning at all? Mm, no, I just think I don't like. I didn't like the beginning. Hmm. So you're saying I should give it a meh, flat, flat face, flat mouth. An A plus is what you're saying. A plus. Okay, I guess so. Because <clears throat> got an A plus. Uh, we're doing really well. Um, 2020 got an A plus. Who else got an A plus, Mayor? Hmm. What else got an A plus? Um, Dump truck got an A plus. 
Mm-hmm. Blitz and Trapper got an A+. Plus. Mm-hmm. That was still got an A+. Plus. Song number 15 and 16. <laughs> the last two songs. Okay. All right. Did you see We're doing well. Ones? We're okay. not there yet. We're not yet there yet. No, no. I mean but. the most recent two songs. Oh, yeah. Those both got yeah. A+. Pluses. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So um, let's move on to a little bit of CanCon, Mary. Which we didn't really need because we had a lot, a lot, a lot of CanCon on the Wait, first side. Wait, so this side. is CanCon? This is the next one's CanCon. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Did I not not talk about Lincoln? Well, here's the reason I didn't talk about Lincoln, Mary. Because they're brand new and there's nothing. No, about them? they're brand old. The song is from 2001. Okay. But uh, there's absolutely nothing about them out there. Like, there's nothing. Not even like there's a well, there's a disc discogs entry uh-huh. that gives you like the band who name, made, yeah, band name and yeah. the band members of the band. Right. That's it. They're from North London, North London, apparently. And that's about it. That's about all I know. Hmm. They um, feature the following people, just so, just to, for for posterity's sake. Sure. Alex Gordon, mm-hmm. vocals, guitar, and trumpet. Mm-hmm. Tracy Van Dahl, vocals. Mm-hmm. David Hannum, guitar and harmonium. Mm-hmm. Matt Dowes, keyboards and trombone. Mm-hmm. Jim Friedlander, bass and trumpet. Mm-hmm. And a guy named Crum, Crum Hall, drums. Crum. Yeah. C R U M. That's a pretty crummy name. <laughs> C R U M. <laughs> You got him. We don't know who he is, but are you crumb? Take that crumb. Yeah, crumb. How does that make you feel? Yeah, crumb. Loser. Not careful. We'll put your head in the locker and slam it there. I don't know if they slam. Do they slam the lockers on people's heads? Is that how bullying happened? Well, this is modern. Just... This is like modern ver- versions of bullying, where it's like so over the top that oh. if it happened in, in its time, people would have been arrested. Yeah. Do you remember when people ran into other people with the trucks, like in Shazam? Yeah, we're bullies. We're gonna run you over with a truck. Wait, what? Isn't just like more like name calling? Yeah. A little bit, maybe a little bit of hazing. I'm going to bully you, so I'm going to leak your nudes and tell you to murder, tell you to kill yourself. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. A <laughs> uh, bully. Wait, you're a murderer. I think you're a criminal. <laughs> you're absolutely a murderer. <laughs> These are crimes you should go to jail for. <laughs> like that Power Rangers movie where one of the girls, it was like, oh yeah, I like leaked my friend's nudes and she was an underage girl or something. Isn't that, wasn't that like a, one of the girls' stories? In what, sorry? Power Rangers, the Power Rangers movie? Really? I thought so. I missed that part. Maybe I, I'm misremembering. I did see that movie. Yeah, I watched it with you. Did you watch it with me? Mm-hmm. Cool. At least part of it I watched. This part of it. I don't know it. if I watched all of it. I think I, don't think I went all the way to the end, because it was <laughs> not a very good movie. I, I liked the performance. I think it was Parker Posey played the villainess in it. Uh, oh, no. It Elizabeth was Banks? Elizabeth Banks, yeah. As Rita, like, Rita Repulsa. I always mix them up, but she 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 did a good job with yeah, that. Yeah, she's she really, good. She really. I like it when an actor when an actor gives it their all. Yeah, in yeah. The movie, you know, even when they know the movie's not not going to be very good. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's nothing worse than someone phoning it in. <laughs> so, one thing I like about this group is I like the fact that they don't have like a separate horn section. I like the fact that it's all the band members who like did the horns for this. Right. Song. That's kind of funny to me. Kind of fun. Yeah, Lincoln. Where where art thou, Lincoln? I guess they put out one, two EPs, and then they said no one likes us anyway. Oh. They went to eat, they went to eat worms. Yeah. All right. Uh, Wait, what do you mean they went to eat worms? What does that mean? Oh, it's a song. From, Nobody likes me. Everybody hates me. I guess I'll go eat worms. Oh, okay. Big yeah. fat skinny ones. Then then yeah. you list in disgusting detail different t- kinds of worms right, right, and right. stuff. And yep. the implication being that you want people to stop eating the food they're eating so you can eat it. Hmm. No, I don't know what the fats. That seemed like a good good cleaning strategy though. So can I think man. if people oh. don't like you, eating worms is not a way to get them to like you. No, it's not. It's not at all. You're correct. You've, you're, not, you're not helping your case there. I think the song is making fun of that kind of self pity. Oh, okay. It's not. It's not. Um, it's not really a sensitive song. Right. It's more of a bullying song. I mean, what I'm saying is that song is running that kid over with a truck. Right. And also releasing nude pictures of him on the internet. Yeah. Hmm. 
with his name and a Groucho Marx mustache on him. Well, at least then they'll just think it's a nude picture of Groucho Marx. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess I guess that's also. I guess we're bullying Groucho Marx now. <laughs> Take that, Groucho Marx. Meh. What are you can do about it. You're dead. Huh? Huh? Yeah. Take that, Adolf. <laughs> no, that was uh, Harpo. I thought Groucho was Adolf. No. Oh. Groucho was not. I can't remember Groucho's one. Ju- oh, Julius. Julius, that's right. Leonard was was Chico. Mm-hmm. Milton was Gummo. Mm-hmm. Adolf slash Arthur, which he later changed his name to Arthur, right. was uh, Harpo. Mm-hmm. And not for any political reason. No, he changed it pretty early. He changed it because there was another guy with the name Adolf, oh. Marx, working in, this, in a similar business. He was like a lawyer. Right. Who worked for one of the uh, people that were kind of opposed to the Marx Brothers. So oh, okay. He like, so I don't want to be connected to this jerk. Yeah. So he became Arthur Marx. And then, yeah, Julius Marx. And then... Um, and you'd have two of them in the phone book, you know? And Zeppo was... John. No one want, No one cares. John. Zeppo. Just like a boring name like John. <laughs> John. His name was Smith Marx. <laughs> So, Mare. Yes. Should we play another song? Yeah. Or do you want to continue um, bullying the Marx Brothers? Mm, no, I think I'm good. Okay. Yeah, I threw Harpo's harp down the stairs. <laughs> and ran over with rude. a truck. <laughs> and leaked its nudes. <laughs> leaked some nude pictures of the harp online. What do you think of that, Harpo? Bleh. All right. Um, let's listen to some CanCon, Mary. This, this group is... Can you guess what group it is? Herbert. Herbert. Oh, that was that was uh, Zeppo's name. Yeah. Cool. Um, I know I can't guess what group it is. Bert Marx. Uh, it's the Heavy Blinkers. Oh, I've never heard of them. That makes sense why I couldn't guess who it was. <laughs> this is kind of a. You know what? They're they are the second generation Halifax group. Okay. So they would have been after like Sloan. Sloan's generation of musicians. Right. So they're they're, they're they're his. The first album by them came out in '98. You know, by which point the you know it was already like four years on from Sloan's first. No, more than that. Six years on from Sloan's first record. But this is from their second album. So let's give a listen to the song. It's called Dressing Down from Heavy Blinkers. It came out in the year 2000. That's a long time ago, Mary. I heard this on the radio. Played by... Oh, maybe it wasn't played by him. Anyway, I won't I won't pretend I know that. So let's just say I heard this on the radio and I went and bought it in the year 2000. And I was very glad that I did. This is uh, Dressing Down from the Heavy Blinkers. Here we go. Dressing down on this record I- the suit and tie are choking me All toasts were made, the band is played Confetti thrown, they've all gone home There's a bit of driver bust out on the floor I guess I'm staying over again Walked into the wolf to go for the people I guess you call us more than friends Oh, 
Alright, and we're back from that song. I hope everyone enjoyed it, because I certainly did. And Mary, what did you think of Dressing Down by the Heavy Blinkers? I liked it. Oh, good. Yep, good. I thought it was pretty fun. So I can give that one an A+, plus as well? Sure, smiley face. A+. Plus. Um, yeah, I really like the Heavy Blinkers. They do a lot with a little. That's how I describe them. Yeah. You know, they're like, a, they're like a little band from Halifax. They don't have a lot of money behind them. They're, this album was released on Brobdingnagian Brob Records. I'm sorry? It was released on Brobdignagian Records. Okay. Do you know what other record was released on Brobdignagian Records, Mary? No. The last, the final Local Rabbits album. Oh, really? Hmm. This is, which is called This Is It, Here We Go? Yep. And yeah, that, so they were kind of a concern at that time, releasing bands, East, East Coast bands. Cool. Brobdignagian. Brobdignagian. Yeah, it comes from the, uh, Brobdignag was the rival of Lilliput in Gulliver's Travels. Oh, Yes, so they were the... Sounded familiar. Mm. I thought it was Welsh. Or it was probably like the place with giants, and he was a small person. <laughs> Wish that, I should read Gulliver's Travels again. Hmm. Maybe, maybe I may be mixed up there. Maybe Robert Neg is a giant. I don't know. Not a giant. I don't know. The Heavy Blinkers mm-hmm. began as a solo project for a fellow named Jason, Jason McIsaac. Okay. Will you accept that name, Mary? Yes. Okay. If his name was Jason McCool, I would not accept it. <laughs> his name is not Jason McCool. After... So he uh, worked on the first album by himself. He just did it as a solo project, you know, because he didn't have any money. So he just kind of did it in bits and pieces, uh, which he called Hooray for Everything. Mm-hmm. And w- so while he was making it, he did have friends involved in it who came in and, and did parts and stuff, did some singing and added guitar or keyboards or whatever. And so then when he needed to tour it, he just brought those friends into the group and he kind of started. So he they toured together as the Heavy Blinkers and. It worked out so well, I guess, that they decided they would c- continue on with the project as a group. And so for this album, then, it was um, it was still Jason McIsaac, but it was another guy named Andrew Watt, who was a keyboardist. And he and um, McIsaac contributed uh, on the songwriting. And then another guy named Trevor Forbes came in on bass. And a drummer, a guy named Greg Fry, he was a drummer from another band called The Holiday Snaps. But... He, but um, McIsaac had borrowed him from that group to become the, the, the drummer for the band, and so he stayed on. And then they had a singer named Ruth Minikin on, on vocals as well. So you get this really nice mix of, of songs. And then, um, yeah, so they recorded the song. Sorry, they recorded the album in Nova Scotia at a studio called the Ides of East, which I was reading about it has unfortunately become now a, a condo. It's a bunch of condos built where it used to be. Oh. Which is too bad, because lots of great... Uh, Halifax albums were recorded there. Yeah. Like, like all the people we like, like Sloan, yeah. the uh, Inbreds, mm. everyone from that time period, all, all recorded there. And now it is gone. It's now a series of con- of condos. But it was it was produced by the band, but engineered by Andrew Watt, who must be a really talented guy because he not only engineered it, but he also mixed it, and then he worked, he did the mastering on oh, it as well. Oh, cool. So yeah, it's crazy. Really talented guy. A super good album. Not as good as the next album, which is called, oh, I can't remember the name of it. It's kind of a, a long name. Just one second. Let me look. It's called The Night and I Are Still So Young, mm-hmm. and it's, uh, I think it came out in 2002 or so, and it's a very good a very good album. Uh, but after the release of that album, they kind of drifted apart. Oh, okay. And then it just kind of became McIsaac's project again. Right. So it took him like another like six years or something to, before the next album came out in 2011 or 2013. Some, sometime like that, he released an album called Health. Hmm. And then... Then there was like talk of them recording for 2017, releasing an album, but that has not come out yet. So I don't know what's going on there. Maybe they couldn't find a label for it. Hmm, Gosh darn it. Gosh darn labels. Gosh darn labels. Yeah. But I'm going to play one more song by by this band because I like them so much. I think I'm going to play The Night 
the night and I are so young because this is a beautiful song Mary so I just want you to hear it and uh, I want everyone else to hear it because I like music and I want you guys to listen to music that I like too so this is it I want you to like it and because I like it that's basically what the show's about yeah that's true I should have called it that I want you to like it because I like it mm-hmm. so let's uh, let's just have, that's the new um, new title for the show no it's just that's, like that's oh it's like a um, the uh, subtitle the tagline the tagline that's right yeah yeah all right so here we go
right, so that was the Heavy Blinkers uh, with uh, uh, what is it? Nanny and I are so young from the album of the same name, which you can if you enjoyed that. It's available on Bandcamp uh, through a label called I think it's called like Camera Obscura, the label, and uh, it's the only album available on Bandcamp, unfortunately. Hmm. So luckily for me, I had the Heavy Blinkers and I had uh, the second album on CD, and then I was able to get this from Bandcamp. And I've never been able to find Health, so one day I will do my best to locate that one. One day. I'm sure it's out there. I'm just, I just haven't really, to be honest, I haven't made the, the necessary steps, like actually looking for it. Right. But you know, I mean, it's also, days. it is hard to find East Coast bands on the West Coast. Mm-hmm. It is. Yeah. 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 If they didn't tour here, yeah. they're not really too well known here. And I don't know if the Heavy Blinkers ever made it here. And if they did, I would kick myself. Of course, at that time, I wasn't really going out very much to shows because uh, you I, had had, a baby. I had young children to look after. So yeah. that was a different, that was a different thing entirely. But yeah, I just think beautiful, uh, obviously the vocals are so beautiful. The vocals are so beautiful, mm-hmm. and the music obviously influenced a lot by the Beach Boys by Brian Wilson. Mm, yeah, a lot of Burt Bacharach in there, and, and Jimmy Webb, I mm-hmm. think, as well. Like just the in terms of instrumentation and the way, the way they like to to play with the minor and the, the major minors and their chords and stuff like that is just really, uh, really sophisticated and clever songwriting. And it's a sort, it's sort of an unfortunate thing where you know if you love something, you love something that's not really popular. It's not really in step. You know, if they were doing this in the '60s, it would be a lot of it would be a big, dif- it made me a bit different story in terms right. of. Right. But you know, I still think it's impressive that they put out you know four albums as a group. That's pretty amazing. It took a long time, but it's it's still amazing to be able to do that. You know, and when you listen to that, you can tell it's just a little with a lot. I mean, they have instrumentation there, but it's all like local mu- musicians who've been brought in to add a bit of trumpet, add a bit of bit, bit of strings and stuff like yeah. that, just to sweeten it up and. It's but it's beautiful, yeah, very nice. And I highly recommend that album. I think it's a, a classic. Cool. A great song. But anyway, a great album. So uh, let's move on then, Mary. Okay. Let's move on to our next song, everybody. This is um, this was a pretty recent song when I when I put together this mix. It was oh yeah, came out in two thousand sixteen. Ooh. And this is Eleanor uh, Friedberger from her album New View, and the song is he didn't mention his mother. So it's about Norman Bates. It's about Norman Bates. <laughs> Glad you had that in your pocket. Thanks. <laughs> All right. Let's give it a listen, everyone. I didn't have it in my pocket. <laughs>
something Walk over the bridge and keep walking ahead thoughts on he didn't mention his mother um i liked it oh good it was a nice song i really liked her singing yeah she has a very nice voice mm-hmm. yeah very nice voice she's saying i'm just giving an a plus okay she's saying in a group with her brother matthew friedberger called fiery furnaces and so it was like a duo group in the in the era of the two the two-person group particularly the white stripes and that's who they were kind of c- compared to at the time because at that time, people thought that the White Stripes were brother and sister, Jack and Meg White. Didn't realize they're actually just divorced husband and wife. Right. But at the time, everyone was falling for their story that they were a brother and sister yeah. act called the White Stripes. But the Friedbergers were an actual brother and sister act. And so they were together up till 2011. They went on to, on to, into a long-term hiatus, uh, during which time Friedberger has released four solo albums. This is her third, yeah, her third album. And, and I guess in 2015, she, she left Brooklyn, Brooklyn, New York, where she'd lived for quite a few years and bought a house in upstate New York, about a hundred miles outside of the city, purely for economic reasons. She said she just couldn't afford to live in, she couldn't afford to live in New York, in anymore. New York anymore. Yeah. Who can? She, she said, cause she, the way, I guess she was doing, you know, she had a solo career. She wasn't really working underneath the, the name of a, a fairly successful independent group. Yeah. The Fiery Furnaces. And so she said she was sort of teetering. She wasn't making enough that she could live independently. And she would have had to get a job, which she wasn't really too keen on. Yeah. But otherwise, she was going to have to like live in, a, in an apartment with roommates. And when you're like, you know, pushing 40 years old. Yeah. And, you know, you've had like a fairly successful career. That's just not yeah. a place, an option that feels really great. So she moved to upstate New York. And um, she, do you want to tear that piece of paper, Mary? Is that what you're doing? There you go. Okay. And, uh, and so, but one good thing about where she moved is that, it doesn't sound pleasant, but it had like kind of a, f- a factory near her house. Okay. Like, a, like beside her house, an abandoned factory. Weird. That she could set up like a her studio in. Cool. So she set up like a, a playing area there and recording area. So she's able to use that. But I was interested to see that in uh, 2020, it was announced that the Fiery Furnaces were getting back together again. 
to perform at the Pitchfork Music Festival, hmm. which didn't happen. It was cancelled because of COVID-19. But also they released a single this year on Jack White's Third Man Records. So it all comes around again compared to the White Stripes. But back around. And um, I'm going to play a song for Mary. For me? Yeah, this is, from, this is from the group's first album, which I can't remember the name of. It's like Gallows something or other, Gallows Beak, something or other. But anyway, uh, we'll list, I'm going to listen to the song. It's called uh, Two Fat Feet. I just want to see if Mary remembers it because it was on a mixtape that we had when I was, that she listened to when she was younger. So I'm just going to give it a listen. You're not going to hear it, everybody. I'm not going to play it for you. I'm just going to play it for Mary. Really? Yeah. Why should they be able to hear it? Okay. Seems weird, but all right. Yeah, no, no, no. They don't get to hear it. All right. So Mary and I are just going to listen to the song by ourselves. Here we go. All right. You guys in the rumpus room, just go outside.
right, so um, sorry you guys won't be able to hear that uh, the sort of thing that I tormented Mary with when she was uh, a young girl. Not tormented. That was a really good mix it was on. Um, I just don't remember that specific song, which yeah. might be because I don't love it. It came from their album uh, Gallows Bird Bark from uh, 2003. And it, I mean, when I made that, it was like brand. It was just out. And so right. I was so excited by it. Just like I was excited by the White Stripes or by the by the um, that other two, two-hander two group um, that became so popular for a while, the Black Keys. Mm. They uh, All those groups, I was, you know, everyone was very excited by the fact that these guys were just like thumping away on their drums and doing stuff. But yeah. the... Um, Fairy furnaces are a little bit more elaborate. As the, the first one was quite simple because, like, as you can hear, it just sounds like it's recorded in someone's apartment or something, but uh, or in some sort of storage room or whatever. But later on, they, it got more and more elaborate as they went, and uh, and the band got more and more kind of more like progressive, rocky kind of sounding. But uh, yeah, they're a good group. Sorry you missed it, everyone. So let's move on to our next group, Mary. Okay. Our next group is Super Furry Animals. Oh, again. Yes. I think at this time... You liked them a lot. Well, I'd heard that song American Interior mm-hmm. by by the the main singer, songwriter for the group. I think you mean A Very Cafeteria. A Very Cafeteria, that's right, by Gruff, Gruff Reese. And so I, um, I found a bunch of their records, or CDs, I should say, a bunch of their albums at a used CD store. And I was like, oh, I like that one song by that person. I will buy these three albums. Hm. And so I bought a... It was the greatest hits. It was Rings Around the World, and it was... Phantom Power, I think it's called. And so, so no, it's not called Phantom Power. That's a tragical hip album. I can't remember the name of it. But anyway, so I bought these three albums and then um, I really liked Rings Around the World. I thought it was just great. The other album I thought was so-so and uh, the, the greatest hits was was Hit and Miss, but I really quite liked this song a lot. Which is, <laughs> hit which and is, Miss. <laughs> <laughs> which is uh, Demons, uh, which actually came on an album actually came out an album called Radiator, which was their second album. So it's still kind of in their Britpop era, rather than their later, more exploratory times. So but let's give a listen to everyone to Demons by Super Furry Animals. Clarity just confuses me The lines drawn on the map A strange assembly When there's northerners and southerners And westenders and eastenders And sunny days in January Left spaces in my diary But the demons ever need to know What the demons ever got to see But the demons are the 
And Mary, you uh, get an opportunity to weigh in on super furry animals. Do I? Mm-hmm. It's a time limit. It's a time limited opportunity, though. So if you don't, uh... um, I th- I thought I liked it. Oh, I thought good. it was peppy and fun. <laughs> peppy and fun. I, I was kind of meh on it at first, yeah, actually. Yeah, yeah. But right? then I I came around on it. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, also, the the album is Phantom Power. Oh, Phantom Power is it really? Yeah. That's funny because I'm pretty sure that's also a tragically hip album. It's funny that both of them are called the same. I just couldn't. I couldn't believe that two bands would have the same name for an album. So weird. It has happened. Uh, yeah, I like this song, obviously, because it's a bit of a slow burn song. It starts off kind of slow, and then it builds and builds and builds, and adds more and more, and gets louder and louder as it goes, and then ends. That's all I asked for from a song. And I really like uh, Gruff Reese's singing voice. I think it's really nice. And I kind of like the band's use of... I don't think they're quite doing it as much at this point, but their use of elect- kind of mixing electronics in with uh, electronica in with, uh, with the rock sound. But uh, yeah... Yeah, pretty good stuff. I won't say anything more. We've talked about them before. Yeah, so. we've we've talked about them a fair and amount. We have another song by theirs coming up eventually, too. Good. So um, let's get to our final song then, Mary. Okay. And this is going to be short as well. This is going to be a short and sweet one as well, because this song, this band apparently does not exist mm. on the internet. Oh. So. But this is, uh, the band's called Ella Guru. Mm-hmm. The song is called This Is My Rock and Roll. El- Ella Guru. E-L-L-A. Uh-huh. Ella. And then the second part is Guru, G-U-R-U. Oh, Guru. Guru, yeah. But I'm pronouncing it as it's pronounced by Captain Beefheart on the album Trope Mask Replica, mm-hmm. which has the song Ella Guru on it. Oh. So this is the band Ella Guru. Right. Not to be confused with the song Ella Guru from right. Captain Beefheart's Tro- Trope Mask Replica. Right. Or with the guitar player, uh, Greg Danielson, mm-hmm. who is, I'm oh, sorry, Greg Davidson, mm-hmm. who was named Ella Guru by the captain during the recording sessions for Trope Mask Replica. Hmm. That was the actual Elegaroo. But this is the band Elegaroo. Right. Who are from Liverpool. Okay. Who put out an album called First Album in 2004. It was called First Album? Yeah. Was it also their last album? Their first and their last album, Mm. yeah. And so... Should have called it Only Album. Yep. But you know what, Mary? Hmm? You got to start off with some optimism. That's true. You do. You just don't want to walk into the door. Yep. Got to open it up first. Yes. So uh, let's listen to This Is My Rock and Roll, everyone. Speaking of slow burn. Here we go. Ye bear thy fruit and pick a name out to suit. Tell what I came for or not. Hell hath ye came forward and stopped. This is my rock and roll for you. This is my rock and roll. 
Think, this is actually the second time in a row that I ended a CD on a song that's not like a big peppy, flamboyant, big song. Because hmm. last time we had Sufjan Stevens. Yes. Just John, my beloved. Yep. And this time we're ending with Ella Guru and This Is My Rock and Roll, which despite the name... Is not a rock and roll It's not song. really like a rock and roll-y kind no, of song. It's no. more of a real slow I thought it was pretty burn. slow, yeah. Yeah, which I really like it though. And I kind of like the idea of ending it on this sort of kind of a very stately Yeah, I liked it. Effect. I thought it was sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It was a nice song. Mm-hmm. And I like it quite a bit. I, I, this is good. A plus. A plus, man. <laughs> yeah. Not much known about them, though. Other than, other than the fact they're from Liverpool. That's all, all I could figure out. And I could figure out who's on it. And I will name the group. It's a huge band, though. It's crazy how big they were. I can see why they didn't last very long. It's uh, 11 people in the group. John Yates. Maybe, the hiccups. Maybe you shouldn't drink chai tea before you uh, do this I show. always get the hiccups. I don't get the hiccups from chai. <laughs> it's gone. John Yates, who's the singer 
singer-songwriter. Also played guitar, keyboards, and harmonica. Mm-hmm. Kate Walsh mm-hmm. with the vocals. Kate Walsh. Christian Burwood, guitars and keyboards. Nick Kellington, guitar, ukulele, and cornet. Scott Marmion, steel guitar. Nick Cavanaugh, bass. Andy Frizzell, saxophone and flute. Bob Picken, double bass and bow cello. Ian Gardner, vibraphone. And Brendan Moore, drums. So just mm. a huge group. It was big. It's not Kate Walsh the actress, though. I don't know who that is. Who's Kate Walsh? She's on Grey's Anatomy. No. Hmm. Wouldn't be Kate Walsh. Hmm. Unless she's British. No, she's not. Well, then it wouldn't be her. Okay. Is she from Liverpool? Liverpool? No, she's American. That's not her. Is she Is she Kate Walsh from the band Allegaroo? No, her name's Kate Walsh. Yeah, that's not her. She's an actress. She's on Grey's Anatomy. Mm-hmm. She played McDreamy's ex-wife. I don't know who that is. And then she was on Grey's Anatomy, and then she got her own spinoff show called Private Practice. Okay. Where she had a private practice, I think in like a little town. Yeah. But it didn't last because no one liked her? No, I think it lasted a while. Oh, okay. Yeah, a couple oh, okay. seasons. Okay. Um, but I'm pretty sure when she was on Grey's Anatomy, she was a pediatrician. Okay. But then when she was private practice, maybe she was a GP. I don't know. Hmm. So that, I don't know. She had to get more general because uh, she was in a small town. I guess so. Couldn't be a specific. No. Well, so there we go. That was the end. So we ended with a kind of a slow burn song that I really like. In fact, you know, Mary, when I was when I was listening to this, I was thinking to myself, why didn't I end all of my se- my, my mixtapes with a rock and roll song? You know, it could have been It's Only Rock and Roll by the Rolling Stones. It could have been Rock and Roll Part 1 by Gary Glitter. It could have been Rock and Roll by the Velvet Underground. Mm-hmm. It could have been I Love Rock and Roll by Joan Jett, or even more a deep cut by The Arrows, the original people who did that song right, B- right it was right. b-side to a single yeah there's just so many different versions of rock and roll i could have just been could have just had every every possible one but no i only did it with one damn it damn it if only if, you know what's tw- you know what's you know it's 2020 speaking of the band 2020 mm-hmm. you know what's 2020 what is hindsight that's true yeah i was always told that yep and i thought it was a dumb thing to say why i don't know i just got tired of hearing it hmm. i heard it a lot as a kid yeah i mean it kind of makes sense but just because you can see how you would have changed the or how you could have changed the situation in the past, yeah. doesn't mean that you will change those behaviors going forward. Or that even that another choice was tenable at that time. Yeah, totally. You don't know. You weren't true, there. True. True. You weren't there, mum. Oh, sorry. Got a bit personal. Okay, Mary. <laughs> would you yep. uh, care to let, let people know where they can find let us? Let our fine friendly party goers know where they can where they can go to find us i can do that they can find us on the interwebs (laughs) at um sneakydragon.com cool so they can either go to sneakydragon.com and post on our forums uh and while they're there they can also find all of our contact us information including our website sneakyd at sneakydragon.com our facebook sneakydragon.com our twitter sneaky underscore dragon and also our mailing address if they would like to mail us something yes Please do. Please do mail us something. And if... Oh, sorry. And before we go, Mary, I just mm-hmm. want to ask you one question, which is yep. which is uh, your overall feelings about this mixtape. Second side was better than the first side. Okay. Okay. Yep. Well, you know, it should build. It should build as an album. Yeah. You know, it should build something. Huh. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Yep. Okay. Well, it's raining now. It is raining. And like crazy. that means Scout won't want to go out and pee. <laughs> so that that's what I'm going to be doing now. Just trying to get her to go outside. Sure. And sure. she's going to stand out in the rain and look at me. Yeah. Like I'm murdering her <laughs> by making her go outside and pee. Oh, dear. All right. Well, then. Yes. Let us 
with those words, with yep. those, uh, with what I like to call uh, those inspirational words. Yeah, that image of a dog standing in the rain <laughs> looking at you with the saddest eyes you can imagine <laughs> and the saddest ears you can imagine. <laughs> yes, that. Let us say goodbye to all our, all our fine listeners. Goodbye. And we'll see you in a bye week. Oh, and let me just say before we go, Mary, you said goodbye too quickly. Oh. Because I didn't say to say goodbye yet. Well, you did, but okay. <laughs> I was just going to mention before we go mm-hmm. that uh, the next episode is going to be a Christmas Christmas music show. Yes. We couldn't bring our friend David M. to do Christmas Christmas uh, music this time. I wish I could have, but COVID is saying no. And so I took this uh, chore upon myself. Mm-hmm. And even though I'm not a huge, the biggest fan in the world of Christmas music, I made the choices. So we're going to listen to, the, I'm going to call it Grinch's Christmas. Okay. Yeah, because you're such a Grinch. I am such a Christmas Grinch. Hmm. No one is angrier on Christmas Day than me. That's true. Dad with his handing out presents to everyone and being really excited to see what everyone gets and how excited they are for their presents and making brunch for all of us. Ugh, so mad the whole time. Yep. Anyway, we will talk about that. Yep. The next episode, Mary, because yes. we will be recording very shortly after Christmas, if not on Christmas Day itself. Mm-hmm. Just to make it more fun. What? We're not recording on Christmas Day. Yeah, yeah. We're going to record on Christmas Day, Mary. That's nonsense. You're cooking two meals on christmas day <laughs> and we'll and we'll be recording the show mm, no okay <laughs> bye everyone bye everyone <laughs> recording on christmas day that's silly dad